What up, what up, what up? I know, it's been a minute. Damn, son. I've been so busy doing all types of stuff. Ah, man. See, the way I handle projects is kind of how, like, you remember when you were a kid and you would throw a whole bunch of balloons in the air and then you would run around and try to go ahead and pop each balloon in the air and keep them all up at the same time? So, you know, you hit one balloon, and then you go hit another, and the first balloon you hit slowly drifts to the ground. Then you run back over and pop it up. Yeah, that's how I handle my projects. I got a bunch going on, so I'm just running around, popping these balloons up in the air, if that makes sense. But anyway, welcome to another episode of The Exchanges Podcast, a podcast dedicated to bringing people together from all walks of life to sit down and have conversations about current events going on in the world. This podcast is made in conjunction with the Current Issues Discussion Group, meetup group that is dedicated to bringing people together in real life and having discussions about current issues and current events of our times. Um, sometimes, you know, this podcast isn't just limited to current events. We get into all types of discussions, philosophical, sociological, conspiracy theories, etc., etc. You get the point. This podcast coming up is one that's pretty near and dear to my heart. I sit down with some um, old chums of mine. We all put on our metaphorical backpacks and we take a long romp through all types of interesting subjects here. Let's see, what do we talk about? We talk about adulting, uh, cultural appropriation, government corruption. We get into a long discussion about uh, pup play and sexual kinks and deviance. We even go back and reminisce on LARPing in the college days. That's pretty interesting too. Then at the tail end, we talk about what we're watching on TV and what movies we've seen and give um, our... Our two cents, our little review. So this conversation, we explore pretty far. And we go ahead and take a pretty leisurely stroll. I mean, I didn't feel rushed or anything we was having this conversation. Before you know it, three hours was up. So let me go ahead and thank Samantha, a.k.a. Sam, Ben, and Ryan for going ahead and uh, sitting down and reminiscing a bit with me and getting into some uh, <laughs> deep, quote-unquote, intellectual conversation about some pretty awesome topics um what else am i missing here oh that's right so our buddy ryan he is on another podcast called polyhedron where they go ahead and talk about everything role play uh so please definitely go ahead and check that out it is pretty interesting and they've been running for i don't know what 40 50 episodes or right now it is pretty popular. You guys should definitely go ahead and check that one out. And uh, next time I have Ryan on the show here, I hope he goes ahead and gets a better mic. I mean, leveling for this podcast already was pretty intense, considering we had to go ahead and um, use a, a program called Skype, which Microsoft, you need to get your act together and make this program a lot better. But um, like I was saying, Ryan sounded like he was <laughs> talking to us from a from a bunker 500 feet underground. So did uh, Ben a little bit. But either way, I made it all better. Or as better as I could with my editing skills. So I hope you go ahead and enjoy this podcast. Um, obviously, <laughs> it is a long one. So if you're you know, pretty versed in listening to long podcasts, this should be nothing for you. But our podcasts are made here to kind of be listening while, I don't know, you're cooking 
or maybe while you're driving or um, maybe you're doing some other project or something that's out there. Um, so you can just kind of casually listen to and maybe turn it off and pick it back up later. There's no rush for you to go ahead and sit down and listen to all this in one sitting, even though all of it is very, very, very interesting. Let's see. What do I got? I'm not going to miss it this time. I'm not going to miss it this time. Nope. I need you guys to go ahead and get out there and like and subscribe to our channels in our internet platforms. You can find us on YouTube, um, Google Play, on Apple Podcasts and iTunes. And you can find us at our website, which is the exchanges podcast.blueberry, B L U B R R Y dot net. Um, you should be able to just go ahead and type in the exchanges podcast, and we should just go ahead and come up in Google. So please go ahead and like and subscribe us. Find us on uh, Facebook too. Like our page. Follow what we're doing. Because I have a lot of interesting podcasts in the pipeline. Actually, I'm so far behind, man, that I have two more podcasts after this one that I need to go ahead and edit and record. Uh, The next two coming up are going to be podcasts on uh, the spooky world of... uh, of social media advertising and targeting analytics and how our friends over in Russia were targeting some of us here through social media platforms and trying to disrupt our political system. Or so they say, right? And the one after that, we go into a pretty intense conversation about um, sexual harassment and sexual assault in our society and how the mass firings, mainly in the entertainment industry, how that is affecting our society and how we go ahead and perceive that in our society. So we have a pretty deep and interesting conversation on that. You can expect those podcasts to come out I don't know, man. Maybe one before the end of this year? Maybe two? I think that's about it. Right? All right. Well, then, let me go ahead and shut my yap. I know I like to talk a lot in the beginning in these intros, but I'm going to go ahead and shut up and uh, strap in, guys. Here we go. See you on the tail end. Yeah, man, it looks like you've been uh, holed up in a room for a while trying to, I don't know, trying, trying to work out some existential thoughts here. Yeah, just, oh, uh, dude, that was just <laughs> That was just I just took acid and watched Stranger Things. It was crazy. Uh, yeah, you look, <laughs> you're looking like um, the guy from Mr. Robot. You know. Oh, my God, Elliot. Yeah, I yeah, you get the black circles <laughs> under your eyes going there. Dude, that, God, that guy's good at looking tired. Like, is that a thing? That's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like how Winona Ryder is really good at looking tired. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. She's yeah. She has the definitely like the haggard sock uh, soccer mom look going on. Got that crazy eye. Yeah, yeah. Like if you know if if you don't accept her coupons in uh, in Kroger, she would she would go off on you. You better get that two for one though. <laughs> she definitely called the manager. Well, Sam's has been. Oh, okay. Oh, there's Sam. There she is. What's up? I'm in my I'm in my PJs because I work night shift, so y'all can deal with it. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, oh, there, oh there, he there he is. There he is. 
Awesome. So I got Ben moving. I got Samantha moving. And but Ryan, you're like frozen in this position here. That was Sam for me for like ten minutes. Okay. Oh, it's, oh there, there, there you go. Now you're moving. I reset it. All right, I got everybody moving now. This is this is working out well. This is working out well. <laughs> I'm happy that um there's any snafus going on so far. But uh. Yeah, we've been recording for a minute. What I like to go ahead and do is catch some of the the candid mic stuff and kind of put it in. So, but uh, thank you guys for um, dedicating a couple hours to me. I really appreciate that. I know everybody's like life is busy and you got like stuff going on and things like that. So I'm excited to go ahead and have you guys here. Uh oh, no, oh, ad- no Adobe. I don't want to update right now. There we go. Are you sure? Are you sure? I know, right? Think hard. Come on. Come on. Do you want a do you want Creative Studio for a grant? Huh? Huh? Sign up right here oh. right now. No. <laughs> Wait, you mean a program that I don't actually own? I'm basically just kind of leasing it and you can shut it off remotely when I Yeah, sure, I'll pay a grant. For Isn't that a shame, man? That's where all of uh that's where all of like business applications are going. It's all going to be on the cloud somewhere. You're just going to uh. perpetually have to go ahead and subscribe. It's just know when I'm not looking at the camera, I'm really looking at you guys on my other screen. Over here. Yeah, he's looking like, uh, is actually me looking at you. Yeah, look at that. Picture perfect, Samantha, there. Oh, you even got a diaphragm going up there. Look at that. Where'd you find that? I do. I, well, I went on Amazon because there was a microphone that was like 20 bucks. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, I'll buy that. And then this was like an add on for another 10 bucks. So I was like, yeah, we'll do that. Okay. Okay. And how's your iPad uh, working there, Ben? It's good. It's. It's doing good. Can y'all hear me quite well? Yeah, I hear you fine. Yeah, it's it's solid, powerful thing, man. Apple. Um, just just don't have it break. You know, game over after that. Spend a thousand dollars. Yep. <laughs> I have an iPad too. I have an iPad. Uh, which one is this? Um, is it like the Air One or whatever it's called? I don't know. Uh, it's getting pretty old. They don't get my money. Yeah, I mean, once again, same thing with the, um, you know, these these iPads and these phones and stuff. It's like you go ahead and buy a version, then um, what, um, maybe a year, maybe two years or so, and then it's another outdated. one comes out. Yeah, and then they come out with OS versions so quickly that eventually your machine is just outdated. You can't even just like, you know what, I'm I'm gonna chill with this for three or four years. After a while, it just doesn't work. You know, it's it's so you need to look at it with what are your needs. You know, what, what's the most important thing that you're doing at the time and hope that they don't out, the technology doesn't outdate, you know, what you're doing. You know, mm-hmm. it's like this flip phones. How many people do you know you still use flip phones? Yeah, you still have friends that are constantly trying to get the latest, greatest. I work in long-term care, so I know a lot of people with flip phones. <laughs> Jitterbug. Oh, what is it? It's called the... Um... What is it called? The, the, Jitter, the Jitterbug yeah. is the old one. Yeah, it's the the one that they market to the old people. Yeah, and I'm just like, uh, yeah, but you can you can get a flip phone on like Verizon or whatever for pretty cheap actually. Yep. So I don't I don't know what what market Jitterbug is going to, but I guess you can get Jitterbug sitting at home and Verizon not so easily unless you get on the internet. You can also get burner phones that are flip phones. I was just about to say that there's a whole underbelly, uh, yeah. There's a whole black market out there for some some burner phones, man. <laughs> you know, there are people who just can't afford a plan. You know, they just need a phone. <laughs> <laughs> and these days, you 
like nobody has a landline. Like I actually have a landline because in order to get the internet through the local company, it was like a hundred and something dollars to do it without a landline versus like 70 with the landline. So it's like, you have to get the landline. Otherwise I wouldn't have one. A lot of people don't. So what are you doing now, Ben? What's your job? I am still trying to figure out how I'm going to go back to school to continue what I was doing in uh, structural geology. Oh, structural geology. Yeah. I took a, I took a break for a while, uh, my grandparents got sick, but I was going back after that. And you know how classes go at, at CSU. You know, you miss the carousel of classes, and now you got to wait a year to get back around. So, I was like a damn ninja. While everybody, while you were Ryan and Sam and everybody was going off, I, I was like introduced to this new crowd of people. So I'm like the one person. That's, I had to go back to school, man. I understand. And I'll tell you what. Tell you what, if you want a different college experience, be the guy going back for his second bachelor's degree. I, you know, you know what I was like, Grant and Sam. You remember what how like Social Butterfly, all these organizations, all the blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Not a damn bit of it. I was like, <laughs> child, don't talk to me. <laughs> uh, I, you don't get to speak to me. I'm here on a mission. Get this people some paper and go. It's different when you're paying for it. It's different. It's yeah, different taking out loans and paying for it. Well, for me, I wasn't. I, I was still taking out loans, right? But for me, that's that's paying for it. Like that's my ass. Mm-hmm. I don't. That's the and that's the other thing too. You know, you look at like all, what all of us, I guess, in can consider are making right now, and it's literally either at or below the poverty line, kind of. And we're still talking about taking out loans just to get degrees to be able to get into the job market, which is. Let's see. Last time I checked, what is the poverty line? I think it's like, um, in order to qualify for welfare benefits, it's like twelve k or something like that. Uh, Fifteen thousand four hundred is a magic number. Okay. Somewhere in there, especially for if you're trying to get uh, uh, food stamps or the ACA. Yeah. Yeah. I just I just went full time at my place, and uh, yeah, I mean I'm doing okay. I actually opted. I turned down a job that would have gotten me sixty a year. But I went for the one that would be 42 because full health coverage. Also, I'm one of three people. Also, it's a little different. Also, the, the taxes, actually, when you do the hard math on what the taxes would have looked like difference mm-hmm. was, it's a couple hundred dollars a month. And I'm, I'll just be happier. <laughs> so one of them was like a 1099? No, no, that's actually kind of illegal now. Basically, really? it's really, really hard to get a software developer as like contractor. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a desk and they give you a computer, you cannot be considered a contractor. They have to set you up with a you know W two. Gotcha. So you sure. decided for the lesser paying job because it, it it sounds like what it was more homey, more um, small company ish, and obviously yeah. the benefits. The benefits are good. I, I work with two other people whom I, you know, like and trust instead of, I just haven't had some really good experiences working in larger organizations. It's just, it's been a shit show every time, basically. I'll, well, you know me, I don't keep my mouth shut. Like, I'm, a, I'm fucking cool hand Luke, unfortunately, <laughs> I've come to find out. So, guess who's the first on the chopping block when it's time to, you know, do our round of summary executions? It's Mr. Mouth over here. Mm. So, well, that's happened a few times. 
yeah, there's something to be said for that freedom and um and working in corporations and whatnot. Um, I'm for my for my office mates. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I would say that um I've been working at the company that I'm at now. It's a I wouldn't say it's a small company. I would, it's more of a, one of those medium sized privately owned companies. They have uh it like I want to say three different divisions, and I'm on the software side. But I do technical writing, so all the like web help stuff, content management type of stuff is what I do. Not someone does that. <laughs> I was a web developer. <laughs> Documentation's light on the ground. Man, uh, yeah, I have to deal with. I'm a technical writer too, technically. Yeah, that's what often happens. Is um, you know, if there's no person designated to do it, it's kind of like a hot potato situation in development. It's like who who <laughs> who wants to sit down and actually um, you know, take this beyond the I guess scope of work stage and put it actually within the product. I've been working there for five years, so... What kind of software do you, does the company make? Content management systems, like uh, almost cloud-based or server-based content management systems. What, what, what's the name of the company? I, know, I probably know who they are. It's called... Never mind. Um, but <laughs> mostly because I work for a consultancy and data migration and enterprise content management is the thing we do, mm-hmm. which I think it's, I think that's just kind of a, a, a really common thing to do now, writing web apps to like move lots of data and documents around. Yeah. What we mostly do is we work with Alfresco, which is another one, uh, just a big old complex yeah. platform. <laughs> It's, it's, it's funny how quickly you move into adult shit. Um, well, I have a place to stay. All that type yeah. of stuff. Philip, at what point did I move over this dividing line to where my life was adulthood and where I was in this stage of, like, not a teenager, but not really complete, like, paying bills and worrying about my job and what my boss thinks and th- things like that. Yeah, uh, dude. Man, I wonder when that was for you guys. Uh, pretty recently for me, actually. I mean, there was this moment yesterday. I had a, I had one of those moments where I was like, "It's Saturday night when all the Halloween parties are going down. I am at my house in my PJs with my girlfriend. We are watching Stranger Things, and that is what we are up to." All- I don't know. For me, I have like. I had my moment where I crossed into that and then I had a mental health break. Uh, So for about three years, it was like, Hey, let me just not do anything. And then like, it's, it got pretty quickly back to like, once you, I don't know. I think once you don't have, once you don't have like the safety net of living with your parent or, you know, any of that, like it very quickly starts. Whether you want it to or not. Yeah, man. There's nothing like um that that first experience you have where you're like, man, I got a bill to pay, and I have like <laughs> I can't pay it, and I have like nobody <laughs> to ask. <laughs> it's like <laughs> like there's, there's there's nobody coming to save me. It's just I'm just out here. <laughs> People talk about it a lot because it's true, but it's that moment where you're like, I've got to buy toilet paper. Yeah, 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 exactly right. Like, I had to buy toilet paper. Yeah, you start thinking about like, man, I don't know. I mean, I think we're just going to go ahead and skip the paper towels. <laughs> we'll go ahead and just like, use the toilet paper, you know, in the kitchen. Let me, gra- let me grab some napkins, like some extra napkins. Yeah, at McDonald's, go ahead and walk. let me go ahead and uh, grab about 100 of these real quick. <laughs> you appreciate me- free shit, too, a lot more. Like, if you guys I- had to go to the doctor today, you guys could go to the doctor. I have it. I'm fortunate enough to have health insurance right now. 
when I worked at Barnes and Noble, they like part time employees were able to get interns, and I I thought that was very lucky. And to me, it's worth it. I once told one of my younger cousins who just graduated from high school last year. I was like, we were talking to her about different life things, and I was like, you know what is very important? Having medical insurance at your job. And my cousin, my other cousin was like, well, you know, don't worry her about that. And I was like, no, seriously, that's something people don't talk to you about. But it's very important. And it's it's one of those things where I tell people, you know, I, I run into a lot of people who hate Obamacare. Uh, and I tell them, you know, we should have access to a doctor at a not ridiculous, ridiculous price. You shouldn't have to have a GoFundMe for your cancer. You know, it's like me. I take medication on a daily basis, mm. and, you know, these medications are not cheap. And it's one of those deals where, you know, you have to ask yourself how many people in our position, especially at our age, are at that same point. And, you know, where we get put into this, okay, oh, shit, now I'm an adult. How do I get health insurance? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And how many are how many of us are lucky enough to have the jobs you know that we have where we're covered? And does that affect our choices? You know, are we happy with the choices that we make because we have to make uh, the choice to have health insurance and things like that? Would you be happier in another job that's not IT if you could get health insurance and still make the pay and, and other things like that? Hmm. Would I be happier at another job? I guess I don't understand the question. I mean, uh, would I be happier at a job that had just had health insurance, even though it's something I don't want to do? Do you just want the freedom? Is that what you're talking about? The freedom to be able to do other things? Freedom to do whatever you want. Your IT job got you into a company that had all the things that would fulfill what you needed at this point in your life, where you were making good money where you felt secure in your job, where it gave you the ability to have health insurance, those things. Uh, I, I, I bailed on an entire career and master's degree to go back to school. So if, if software uh, uh, doesn't do it, I am not fit to work and should probably apply for long-term disability or something <laughs> crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, too, am medicated heavily. But, you know, I, had yeah. to, I chose for this particular career. One thing that I run into, because I work with some people who are older, um, and they don't quit working because they can't afford other health care. They need the health care that you get through your employment. So, you know, I work with someone who has COPD and her joints, her body is just breaking down and she really can't do our job because it's, it's a physical job being a, a nursing assistant. Uh, but she can't quit because if she quits, she will not have, she, she won't be able to get on disability for however long it takes you to get on disability. And the insurance that you have to, to pay for is, you know, $500 a month. Like it's it's prohibitively expensive for someone who has no income. Yeah. So there's really not an alternative. So, you know, I think health insurance does determine whether people stay at their job, how long they stay at their job. You know, because a lot of places you don't get insurance until you've been there for X amount of time. So switching jobs, if you have health issues or you have a 
ma- medication that you have to maintain. It's it health insurance is it plays heavily into your decision about your career. You know, I have a, a my sister in law is from Sweden, and you know those things are you know are foreign to her. You know, she's she's becoming a nurse here. And uh, it's quite interesting when when I hear her family talk about things like that versus what we have instituted here. And I say instituted really because it's changing constantly. And there's really no set uh, things that I guess we could say that we have. I've seen my parents uh, go, you know, their idea of insurance change in two decades, you know. To where they had plenty of insurance, and then all of a sudden the insurance carriers just dropped everybody. Mm. And it was a punishment for the ACA, not because of the ACA. And if anyone tells me differently, we have an unpleasant conversation. Like, oh no, I mean the the causes of it, I, is, it, you know, this can be debated, I guess, but it's that's what happened. You know, basically, well, they dropped they like a bunch of angry children is what happened. They're, I mean, they're evil middlemen. It's what they do. Who's evil middleman? All insurance companies. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, there's there's nothing out there like um, the United States um, health market and insurance market. It's like completely unique and all its own. My my girlfriend works with people from Prague a lot and just all over the you know the European Union and all that. And when like she had to explain health insurance to a guy from Prague once, he was like, "This is." savage like he used the word savage to describe it and not in the funzy way that we we like to use it on the internet it's like oh yeah uncivilized yeah for me it feels like the there's so many problems throughout that that industry it's like it's i mean there's like so many leaks in the hole of the boat (laughs) it's like i actually have a pretty good story about this yeah so i i switched to blue cross blue shield Mm -hmm. last because the ACA just decided that's what I needed to do to keep the level-ish of coverage I have and pay more money. Let's not forget pay more money. Um, so I was chatting with my, my shrink about it, and my, my shrink cost doubled. Like, like they doubled the cost of a shrink visit. And then I was, they were like, you know, we can do this without insurance. We offer follow-ups for $70. And I'm just like, wait, I'm paying $75 with insurance. Well, let's just forget about the insurance, shall we? Right. And it's like, what? What is the point? Like, what good is it if it's not actually doing anything for me? Actually, afford the medications they prescribe me. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, we switched. We we kept switching back and forth between different insurance companies because people were unhappy with this insurance company, and then they were like, "No, we need to change." So they went back, and we currently have Blue Cross Blue Shield. When ACA kicked in, I actually had to pay less, but I think my deductible changed, and it's like, I would never, it, I don't know, it's not workable, and I try to tell people, like, the reason the ACA sucks isn't because Obama was a terrible president, or, you know, it was a bad idea, or whatever that, whatever you want to say about it, that's not what it was. What it is, is lobbyists came in, and, you know, you had a bunch of people getting their hands and there were so many compromises made in order to try and pass something that was somewhat acceptable. So it's like it's a it's a good idea. It's just too much input and too much lobbying. That's why it doesn't work. 
It's almost like you shouldn't let corporations write their own regulations or something. <laughs> <laughs> Blasphemy. Like what are you talking you about, Ryan? You shut your mouth. Rules. <laughs> well, I, you know, to make it right, I think we have to have you know a set of morals. <laughs> so what? That we have to say, well, at least somebody has to have health care in the United States. And do we want to capitalize it or not? And, you know, if we want people to, you know, have health care, you know, we have to make, make a yes or no decision on that. I think uh, most people in America would say, yes, you know, we don't want our old people dying, you know, <clears throat> because in general, I think this part of what we're seeing is we're just kicking our, our older people and our, our younger people to the curb now. You know, yeah. you know what? I mean, I, I think that this problem is not going to get solved into our generation is possibly as, is as old as the baby boomer generation is. It's because um, <laughs> there's a lot of like visceral anger in that older community because they're dealing with all these problems right now, right? You know, they right. can't find affordable, you know, affordable health insurance. Everything's outrageously expensive. You know, pensions aren't paying it. Social Security's not paying it. Medicaid is not it's not paying it. And people are just really really pissed in that demographic. Right now our our class of politicians are trying to are trying to go ahead and uh, put like band-aids on the situation, right? It's like, okay, we'll make exemptions here for um, you know, uh, this type of healthcare or this type of yeah. um income bracket. And um so that will cover people in this demographic. But, you know, we still got to go ahead and get these these tax cuts and for our, you know, for our lobbyist friends and stuff. It's like, you know, they're they're, they're trying to go ahead and fit all all these square pegs and these round holes. And, and, and we all know that applying that approach to approach to, to healthcare is, is not satisfactory. You can't have a whole bunch of short term solutions for this. So, you know, what, what what's going to happen is, is that that generation, um, the generation right now of older folks who are going through our m- medical system, they're going to pass away. And um, all these stopgap measures are going to disappear as these laws um, expire in 10 years or whatever type of limit they put on it. And then we'll be older. <laughs> and then there'll be less, there'll be even less for us. And then we're going to be pissed. And it's like this amplified outrage every single generation because nothing gets done ever. It just, yeah. they're just these short term measures, measures for political gain usually or people to keep their seats in Congress and stuff like that. More people into hating each other. That's also that's also a really important one. Oh yeah, but mostly through the I don't want my money going towards X. Like that's if you want to talk about what that visceral ang. I know I used a southern accent, but you can put it pretty much anywhere. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> we don't all talk like that, Ryan. Yeah, well, I know I've heard those exact lines. So reality, it comes from somewhere. Uh, but yeah, like. If you want to talk about that visceral thing, like if you want like the bottom line thing that that anger that that kind of keeps us locked up is it's making people blurt those words out and have X be, you know, the thing you don't want. Right. Like you don't I don't want my money going towards inner city kids practice, whatever, you know, whatever you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, with no conception of what they're actually saying or what that actually means, or what they actually already pay for, which is like, fine, you like drone strikes? I suppose, like, <laughs> you pay way more for drone strikes than you do for food stamps, but whatever. Yeah, I think, go for it. I think that's where the the propaganda comes into play. Like, I was explaining to my uh, niece and nephew about, I, I it was actually a 
conversation about racism and the fact that you had these rich people pitting poor white people against poor black people is really, well, I say poor black people, but all black people were poor back when it started because, you know, they weren't allowed to have anything. But it, it's the same thing. You have these corporations pitting, you know, middle class people against poorer people and saying they're the enemies. Like they're who you're, you know, you, you worked hard for what you got. So you shouldn't just hand it over to them. Not really discussing the fact that, hey, they might have more if you weren't such greedy assholes. I think we've seen manipulation. In, in the United States on a global or on a large scale come to a head mm. now being able to use um, the internet you know being able to use and with the digital age uh, all of this is just culminated and boiled over into some of the most uh, egregious uh, uh, things that I, I think we've ever seen uh, as, a, as a nation you know what I mean I, part of me thinks that it only seems so bad because um, we can see it. Well, what do you mean we can see it? What do you mean when you say that? When you say oh, that? what I'm saying is history is like America has always been a shitty, terrible place. Mm-hmm. Like no, it has not. No, it, it not. really has. Like American history is full of people being ground to dust and like treated terribly. Look at what happened after World War, or look at what happened in the 1920s. Look at all of the scientists who came up with all of the elements in the periodic table. Look at all of the technological marvels that was going on in the early 30s and, and in the 40s. And then after, um, after World War II, when that happened, our technological revolution continued once we moved west when we started working with transistors. So hold on a second, Ben. You believe that a, a, a society's our society's quality is measured by our scientific progression. Is that is that what you're saying here? No, I'm saying our, our, I, a society's quality is is complex, but I'm saying you can correlate how good a society is with certain measures such as uh, things such as uh, technological revolutions. Um, I made a very blank at, statement. Is really what he disagreed with, I think. What? Say that again? Oh, I just made a very blanket statement about the general quality of us as a nation. And I understand we're taking issue with that. But I but I do like saying stuff like that because it does get a rise out of people and it makes them argue with me. So I figured that's what I'm on, right? <laughs> but I, I mean, don't get me wrong. I genuinely believe that America has always been a place that has not been a great place to be a woman or a person who is not a white man, basically. It's never been good to be any of the, anything but a white man in this country. Uh, especially, okay, well, especially of English heritage. You need to be of English heritage for a while, because if you were Irish, you may as well look black. But it, which is I'm the first terrible. person to, to stand up and fight for, for women and for their rights. I'll fight for, for, for minorities and their rights, because I think that's what... Americans has always stood for from the second that we left England we wanted to find a better place or from, from the, the second that we uh, you know left England and when we came back here uh, we just immediately just lost my train of thought I, I couldn't hear anybody I think it's get it back Ben I, reach reach deep 
I guess, Ryan, what I'm trying to say is I understand your point and you're saying that it's been very hard and it's been a long road for women and for minorities in this country, but I think they have as much a place as, as anybody else in this country, and their place has been cemented in this country since the very beginning. Uh, and and that's, there's actually places in this country where you can see that, like Ellis Island and in New York, um, and even, even large places like uh, Sears Tower, which were built by immigrants. So you okay. can't just say, I think, that it was all white men. Okay. <laughs> what you trying to say, I, Samantha? What you trying to say I, here? I really take it. First of all, you, you said that it's been that way since, you know, we came over from England. Uh, you have to remember that they weren't like, hey, we love different kinds of people and letting people do what they want. Because they were like, hey, there's people here. Let's, you know steal their land, screw them over, kill them if need be. Yeah, I understand that. And then, and then there's the fact you talk about immigrants. Well, you know about the Exclusion Act, right? Like, Asians yes. couldn't come over here at all. So you can't say, like, oh, it's been great and it's been open. It's been very open and very good for people of European descent. You know, Ryan mentioned earlier about Irish people. I am of Irish descent. Uh, in addition to being of Vietnamese descent. So I'm, I'm going to say that this when people bring up the treatment of Irish people versus the treatment of black people or anybody else, I'm just like, what is your like malfunction? What is your malfunction? Because it's not the same. It, it was at one point, but at around the time that slaves were allowed to be free and all of that, it became a white, like, you know, Irish people at some point became white. Uh, I would say the closest thing, the more recent thing, would probably be Italian-American. I would say, because Irish, if you want to go back to Irish, that was like, you know, a hundred-something years ago that you could really relate. I was reaching back when I said, I apologize, I didn't mean to, like, I was going over the whole of American history at one time in in terms of a general sweeping statement. Yes, it's all white at this point. I'm Jewish, I know. Yeah. But even if you look at, you know, the way Irish immigrants were treated, it's not quite the same. That's fair. Yeah. So I get I get the comparison. I really do. But, you know, at a certain point, Irish people, you know, even Polish people, you know, they, while people would make the Polish jokes in the 70s, for example, like, they were still... What type of Polish jokes? <laughs> I... I'm just saying you should watch Barney Miller. <laughs> I guess it's, it's just whatever European... Is, is Pollock, is that an insult? Yeah. Like you, Pollock? <laughs> I, I, yeah, Pollock is the thing that people would say, and okay. there are Polish jokes. And there's, you know, there there was even people who would say something about, like, oh, you mix, you know, like, okay. whatever. Hey, but Here's the, the bigger thing. I think that America has a brighter future. I think it's got a very bad stain on it right now. And I think that there's a lot of division in this country. And us, I say we as a, um, as a generation, like the baby boomers as a generation, have to come to a consensus, like I said earlier, either we have to say we're going to do it or we're just going to not. We're going to sit here and accept it, that we need to make a change. 
just like we did with healthcare or something, because we're seeing that this is tearing this country apart. And it's tearing us because we are the country. It's, it's not the land. It's the people who create the country. Well, and let me say this. Let me say this. I think that <clears throat> I think, Ben, what you're talking about is um, the, the ideals and the uh, ideological intentions of the United States of America is generally good. Right. That um, over the course of the years, we've constantly or decades, generations, we've constantly attempted to um, and at, at least in our public space, um, say we're going to do the right thing or um, have um, moral and ethical ideals. Would you say that that's correct? Oh, I would, I would most certainly agree with you there. Now, the execution think- of those um, of those um, ideologies and those values and ideals, that's a whole other story. And, that, and that's always the conflicting point. It's like, you know, we, we have a narrative out there where we say that, um, you know, we're, we're for freedom and equality and um, justice and, and all those things. But um, <laughs> the uh, I think that people deep within our... Um, our governments and uh, think tanks out there that, you know, work with, I guess the, what am I looking, what's the word I'm looking for? The ideological, um, actually, let me scrub that. Let, let me say that I think the people who work inside our government, who they are very aware that in order to achieve certain ideals, there, there has to be some Machiavellian <laughs> um, roads taken to get there. I mean, could World War Two have been won by um, not throwing a whole bunch of um, Japanese people in internment camps? Maybe. Um, yeah. But um, the intention was to go ahead and possibly protect U.S. citizens and U.S. interests in fighting uh, a larger war for the quote-unquote good. You kind of see where I'm going with this? I see exactly where you're going with that. And I think more than uh, not, you're correct. I think... Most people in general are good or have good intentions. I think that they most people also are kind of out looking for themselves, and in, in doing that, they they kind of say, "What can I get for me?" I think it's going to take a generation to say, you know, we need to kind of be a little bit selfless to 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 get things back to where they were because we've had so many generations before us say, you know, we're just going to make. Uh, the best we we're going to make the most money we can, and then it's going to be somebody else's problem down the line. It's very unusual to me, though, that I agree with you. A lot of people are very much out for themselves, but like when you want to come down to like what like really is screwing us up right now, it's being a tribe. It's tribality. It's the desire to have things of black, white, us, them, like. Yeah, like, there's an us and there's a them, and if you know exactly who the us and them are in this case, it's, you know, it's, I mean, you can call them Democrats or Republicans, but that's completely oversimplification of it, but there's, uh, but people need a tribe, they want to, and it makes it really, really easy to say yes or no, you don't have to think if you have a giant tribe of people telling you exactly what to think, and that's where we're kind of, like, Trump's a boy, they're a tribe, they're a tribe of people, like, they have a have their narrative, they have their reality, it is a consensus reality, it doesn't necessarily need facts, uh, 
<laughs> no. It, it, it right. can, in fact, like deflect facts. It can ignore objective reality in front of it. Which, if you want something that's scary as hell, like that's that's really scary that a, a collective groups of millions of people can just ignore objective reality. Like, oh yeah. Look- yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 that's really strange to me. It's, well, not really strange, but um, eerie and a, and a bit scary that um, there are people out there. I don't think who are intentionally ignoring the facts. Is that I think there's a lot of people out there who've came to the conclusion that facts don't matter, and that's what's really scary and dangerous. That they and believe I'm a that. Minded person. Holy shit, man. Yeah. They they believe that everything is um you know, facts are moldable, um, that, um, all these are just ideological perspectives in the world and people are just choosing their perspectives. I think there's a large segment of, of people who've, especially when it comes to, I think, conservative media and uh, right wing media, I think they, a, a lot of pundits, let's talk about like Sean Hannity, for instance, has bought into the idea that, that th- th- there is no truth out there. All there is, is ideology. And, if we are in a position of power, then we dictate what truth is. And so, and, and, and that's the goal. And that's the aim of these people. You're right. And I, I was worried that we were going to be headed towards uh, sort of a theocracy in, in, in so, to, so to speak. You know, I'm a kind of a staunch atheist. And, and some of the moves that I see our government making in uh, on the state and a federal level have been uh, shocking to say the least. Is it a theocracy when it's a plutocracy dressed up in Christian robes? <laughs> oh, in, in any specific religious robes. Look at Saudi Arabia. Although um, the prince of Saudi Arabia specifically said he was uh, tired of the, the old ways of doing things, he's about to open up the whole country to everyone, supposedly. About damn time, man. <laughs> Hey, it's been a while for you to come to that conclusion, bro. <laughs> I, uh, I was just going to say, I have a little bit of insight on this whole tribe, uh, not really paying attention to objective facts and all of that. Uh, first of all, I want to say that when I was in high school, so far, probably from about 2001 until, oh, I was in college, so probably about no, I'd probably stop doing it around then. But I would watch Fox News in the morning. I would watch Fox News in the afternoon until night. I can still, if I try really hard, I can still tell you the lineup from like three o'clock on. And I remember when Sean Hannity was, it was Hannity and Combs. And yeah, I that's remember, old school. That is. I, I remember the shift. Like I remember watching the shift post 9 11. Because mm. really, like, Post 9-11, and then I I wasn't watching then, but uh, the shift post-Obama, uh, it's it's insane how different it is. And I try to tell people, I'm like, you don't understand. Fox News was always right-leaning, but it was never this just off-the-wall, out-of-touch-with-reality that it is now. And I, I actually wrote a paper, I think it was my junior year of high school, I wrote two papers. Basically, it was a rant on 24-hour news networks because that was when Chandra Levy and Lacey Peterson, when all of that was going on. I remember that, yeah. And they covered it nonstop. And 
you still see this today. Like you turn on a 24 hour news network when, when a story is big and it would just be nothing but that. But I, I don't think of those as news networks. I would respect Fox news. I would respect CNN, MSNBC. If they would come clean and say, we are a, we are punditry (laughs) with some news stories because that's what it is. Yeah, Yeah. That's exactly what it is. That's, that's what it is. And it, it's fine if that's what you want. But uh, you guys were talking about the not the facts. One of the things that I have noticed living in rural Kansas is that uh, a lot of times they they're not presented with the facts. One of the nope. things, my town, it's a town of 550 ish. Damn, son. <laughs> a lot of the people here like and the nearest towns are not that big either right so uh there's a town 10 minutes over and they have a wendy's and a mcdonald's and a sonic and a pizza hut oh my gosh but they they aren't presented with not just a worldview because it's it's nice to talk to someone and get someone else's perspective and it's very easy to do that on the internet it's also very easy to get just your perspective like i want to i want to have this opinion i'm going to find nothing but this opinion a good example the town over the the town that's ten minutes over has a very large Mexican population, and I hear a lot of racist things about that. Of course, uh, they call it Little Mexico sometimes, and you know they're like, "Well, there that's a drug deal that's going down." I'm like, no, it's just people <laughs> passing things back and forth. What is your problem? Uh, they just literally but, shook hands with each other, man. Calm down. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a drug deal over there. <laughs> yeah. But um, I was talking to someone, a young, uh, and this is the thing, when you're younger, you kind of mimic what you hear other people say, like the adults in your life. Mm. Uh, Before you start to think for yourself, you think Mm. the way that your parents or your teachers or whatever think. So this girl was complaining. She was, I should say woman, because she was over the age of 18. Anyway, she was complaining that she would go into a store and she would see these little kids, you know, like a 10-year-old, having to talk to the cashier or whatever and fill out a check. And she was like, well, why can't the parents learn English and blah, blah, blah. And I finally said to her, I was like, okay, think about this. It's a whole nother language. What happens when someone comes up and speaks to you in broken English? Do you get, do people around here get irritated and, and, you know, just sort of act hostile about it? And she kind of thought about it, and she's like, oh, I guess you have a point. And I was like, okay, now you could say they need to go and learn, but they have a job just like you and I have a job. When do you have time to go mm. and learn something? Plus, we live in a rural area, so the closest place they could go would probably be like 30, well, no, they might be able to go like 20 minutes away. But generally speaking, it's not easily accessible. So they don't have an ASL class that's near them. And even if they did take an ASL class, you know, people don't have a lot of patience for someone like this is someone learning a second language. What were you saying, Ryan? Oh, with what money? Like, yeah. you know, it's like Duolingo's free and I get that. But it's just like, yeah, to like efficiently learn a, tr- a language, you probably will need some sort of actual tutelage to do so. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're trying to do it for serious. It's the Schrodinger's immigrant problem, I think, in that regard. Like, oh, they're simultaneously super lazy, but they work real hard. Like, I, don't know. I think it's one of those things where if if you are in a homogenous community like I am, like I am 
the least white person in town currently. I want to say that says a lot. <laughs> it, it says a lot uh, for, for yeah. your listeners. I am half Vietnamese. I am very white passing. Uh, people think I'm people think I'm Mexican a lot. Uh, someone once thought I was Hawaiian. Was yeah, I bet a lot of people ask you where you're from. I mean, because you don't look like you're like you know European. We, my sister and I, get called that Mexican Dang, lady a lot. So, but it's it's one of those things that I think if you are in a community, and it can it doesn't even have to be like a town that you live in, but like the Vietnamese American community or whatever, like if you are so in just enveloped in that and you don't have to deal with other people. And I don't just mean like an exchange of ideas and a conversation here and there, but like if you aren't confronted daily with people who are different from you, which what you feel your is important to the country, what is important to people in general is what the people around you think is important. So you're just saying that these people are naive. That's what it comes down to. Like these, these people are, you know, in this, in this small town that you're in they're they're not, you know, they haven't been around a lot of people of different ethnicities, little, little cultures. So, um, and the only information you're getting is from, um, you know, certain news sources and, um, you know, they, they, they buy into that because they haven't had any other experiences. And, yeah. um, can you blame and- those people for that? You know, can you, um, can you, can you say that those people are awful people uh, if if they haven't had the opportunity to um you know really interact with others and you can't demand these people like well why don't they go ahead and drive to Kansas you know Kansas City and um you know talk to some black people well you know, how realistic is that you know <laughs> it's it's also it's very intimidating honestly uh, for someone who has lived in a small town for their entire life like, uh, we have this town that's, uh, it's definitely not huge, but it's a little bigger. And it's actually number one in the per capita crime in Kansas because they had like one murder or something like that. But I will hear people say like, oh, I don't, I don't like when my kid who is over the age of 20, I don't like when my kid goes to this town because it's just so dangerous. <laughs> Meanwhile, it's my it's like he's I, going to escape from Los Angeles, uh, L.A., uh, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> over at a cafe, like, how's it going? <laughs> Me- meanwhile, my sister and I are like, there's oh, no bars on the windows at the gas stations. There's no, like, like there's none of the hallmarks of, oh, this is a crime-ridden town. Mm. And I hate to say naive. I hate to, because it has such a, a negative connotation, but, you know, I've had people... So. I've had people admit to me like, oh, well, the reason why I don't really understand black people is because I've never really had to meet a, uh, I've never really met a black person. I've oh, never really I, talked to a black person. I have an important question, though, like just in terms of that. Are you the only person with the Internet in your town? <laughs> uh, but, when I don't understand something, I ask Google to answer my question for me. And what are black people like? <laughs> You will find a myriad of answers to that question, and some of them are even good. But but this Uh. is what what I was really speaking to is that you live in a place where you're confronted with other people and you have to learn about other cultures because you have to coexist with them. There is just one culture here. And 
you know, they they really care about their neighbors and they really care. Like, what's important to them is not figuring out what black people are like. What's important to them is figuring out, like, okay, well, how am I going to get my harvest done if we have these freezing rains? Like, those are the things that are important to them. And, and we all have things that are valuable to us. And it's not that they don't care about people they've never met. Because I will say, on the bright side, like, one of the good things about rural areas is is you kind of have this almost like if we were all stuck on an, an island together we have to work together you know so I've seen some I've seen some great things here but at the same time like they're not going to care about you if you like it's not that they don't care about you but they they just don't have to and they're not confronted their number one priority is themselves their community you know like they don't have the time to just go, hey, I'm going to think about how other people live in Uruguay. <laughs> yeah, these people are, um, you know, very, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, <clears throat> I don't know if the word is, maybe not grounded, but um, what did you say, Ben? I said they they seem to be very insular. Yeah, maybe that's a good word for it. Yeah, I mean, um, that, that's one thing that um, I think is, 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 is wrong with, um, um, I guess traditionally more urban liberal minded people is that, um, <laughs> is that maybe they don't travel either because the entire world is not, um, you know, Harvard or, um, you know, your, uh, <laughs> or, um, you know, your local cafe you go to, to have, um, you know, intellectual discussion about, um, the world and these issues. Not everybody, um, you know, is, is preoccupied with that. And I think that, um, a lot of intellectual, um, minded liberals treat the world like it's, um, like it's a university, you know, right. Where, uh, <laughs> where, um, you know, if you, if you don't know something, you, you, you go to the library and pick up a book and you, you research it and, you know, you, you, you build, um, an ideology based upon fact and consensus and stuff. Not a lot of, a lot of world doesn't work like that. For instance, you guys see that, uh, <laughs> that article, uh, out there, like there's this, I don't know, famous Chinese, uh, photographer maybe. And, um, he took a bunch of pictures of, uh, native people from the continent of Africa, like different, you know, nations there. And he put them side by side with some wild animals you can find in Africa. So, you know, he has a picture of this, like, black guy, and he's, like, smoking a cigarette, and next to it is, like, a picture of, like, a, a baboon or something, or an <laughs> elephant, right? Oh, God. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, right? So, in America, in um, urban intellectual populations in America, we look at that and we go, like, racist, horrible man. What would this guy thinking? See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And then you, you know, you tailspin off into conversations about, you know, for, uh, or, or information about racism in the world and you connect the dots and everything and you explain why this is such a horrible thing. But, um, nobody stops to think of like, well, what's the culture we're looking at here? You know, where's this man from? Um, how much experience has he had with, um, Africans per se? This guy is like Intention, not even the intentions matter. Yeah, and, and, and intentions matter. And so this Chinese um, photographer, his explanation for his um, his uh, artistic piece he set up in this museum was like, like what he was trying to do was to go ahead and um, humanize um, Africans by um, not comparing them to like animals per se, but to go ahead and show Chinese people like the certain embodied spirit 
of an animal being an African person. Because apparently, like in Chinese culture, what is revered a lot is um, this idea of like animism, tinge of like anthropomorphic, you know, anthropomorphic type of thing where like certain animals have certain spirits and certain ideals and um, that can be well, that represented so by a person. From I guess, yeah, I mean, my reaction was that of the, uh, like the coffee shop liberal, I suppose. But now, like, now that you mentioned that, yeah, Chinese... Like, animism is a big thing there. Yeah, I, I can totally see where he was going with that. Like, yeah. oh, so yeah, I guess intention does matter. Yeah. See, I, I immediately, I immediately understood what he was going for. And that's, sorry, my music. Oh, snap. Well, what is that? What are you getting um, to? It, it's K-pop, oh, okay. which actually I was about to uh, mention. Uh, it kind of goes back to uh, cultural appropriation. I... Like I said, I, I listen to a lot of K-pop now, and I, for the first time in my life, after 32 years, I made some internet friends. I, uh, I'm in a group chat with people, and they were talking about, uh, someone asked, someone from Israel, she's a, a Ru- of Russian descent in Israel, oh, wow. and she asked, what is cultural appropriation? Because she didn't know, and I was explaining it. And one of the things I said was, you also have to remember that people in Asia don't view it the same way an Asian American would because it's it's a mm-hmm. totally different thing. And uh, I was also trying to explain to someone why I personally didn't, uh, you might not have heard about this, but the band or the EDM duo, the Chainsmokers, mm-hmm. were in China and, and one of them was asked, like, oh, is your dog with you? And he made the comment, like, oh, I heard it was not such a great place for dogs. And they recently did a collaboration... <laughs> They recently did a collaboration with this huge K-pop group that I like, uh, BTS. And it was like right before the album dropped. And a bunch of people were like just up in arms and like, how can you say that racist thing right before you collaborate with these Asian artists? And I was explaining to one of the girls, I was like, I was like, I just don't find that racist. Mm -hmm. And she was like, well, why not? And I was trying to explain it to her. And eventually I was just like, she she just wasn't getting it. And I was like, I just don't find it racist because I don't. And I can't explain that to you. And I say this as someone who's had to deal with people saying like, oh, don't eat my dog because you're Vietnamese. Well, dang, but did so. you actually like mean it that way or was he referencing the air quality? Like that's my, that's my. <laughs> no, he was referencing, he was referencing the dog eating, yeah, the dog eating. But I wouldn't bring one of the, to Beijing. I'll put it that way. I tell you this, Ryan. They shut down their coal factory or their coal plants there. Yeah, they're completely shutting it down. Well, they're eating our lunch in terms of like actually being green. So we'll, oh, we'll yeah. see how that goes for us. But it's I I think that you have to think about like how does this actually affect? Because in this whole conversation, we never discussed like okay, we talked about how Americans feel about it and how an African American or a black person, however you want to say, how they would view something like that Chinese uh, exhibit versus how a person in Africa would view it. And I think that you have to remember, like, what culture does this affect? And do I get to say this is offensive to that culture? Yeah. Um, And I will say, I will say that Chainsmokers joke was terrible. It was just a bad joke, first of all. Second of all, it, it was kind of offensive. I just don't find it racist. Yeah, it's we're we're, we're trying to go ahead and like plant these um, ideological boundaries, like every every single um, subgroup 
or a demographic out there is like you know firmly planting these these boundaries of like you can't you can't even you can't even say this regard regardless of your t- intentions regardless of context it doesn't matter you 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 just can't express it and i'm not sure that's all too healthy you know i mean like the the whole hobby lobby thing you guys remember that you, you guys see that where like this um this this, this black lady went just just raged at finding a stick of cotton in like an artistic box and like thought it was um you know some some dig at african-american culture and history and it's that's utterly ridiculous you know i mean that's that that, that's insane i see that more and more now with um certain um certain people and um you know the african-american community and um in in different type of communities too, other communities too I, i see it with um feminism i see it with um you know, definitely with a, what do they call themselves? Men's rights activists. Men's oh, rights gosh. activists. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, there, 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 there's um, that whole segment of people. Like everybody's, everybody's like trying to plant their feet and have this fenced off nation of like, of, of ideologies. And it's insane. <clears throat> it's, in, it's insane to me. There's this weird hubris to it, isn't there? Uh, going back to the cultural appropriation conversation, mm-hmm. like, who the who the hell are any one person to decide like what piece of your culture is allowed to be right <laughs> used or enjoyed even because I've always used act like if you want like my textbook actual definition of what cultural appropriation is it is wearing someone's culture as a costume and going haw 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 about it like yeah stupid about it. But if a girl at Burning Man wants to put some lines on her face and put feathers in her hair, hate to say it, but people have been doing that since, like, we've been killing animals. So, it, you know, exactly. it's fine. Exactly. The, the only thing I will say about that uh, is when you go full-on headdress, and it's very obvious that it's a headdress, that is Hold a sacred... <laughs> I, I'm just saying, like, because that's, that's where I see more, like... Uh, backlash against these girls who are like, I'm going to put a headdress on or I'm going to put a thing with a a feather sticking up is that it is a sacred thing. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's, that's where it comes in. I think is, are you respecting or are you? Well, that's the culture of the costume thing. Like that is what else's culture is a costume. I'm just saying like, I have seen articles and I mean, of course, I've seen an article on the internet is actually kind of a bullshit. <laughs> anything that any asshole can say anything on the internet yeah. now and have no backing for their opinions, but it's just like raging about girls with feathers in their hair. It's like actual just hanging like yeah. shit in their hair. It's like it's ridiculous. You remember that time at CSU that they hung a noose? Like in the, you remember that in like, um, it got on the news. This was like pre, this was pre identity politics, like mega outrage error. This is like, I told them to hang that noose. I know. Like, I, yeah, I like yeah. hanging it. It's spooky stuff. Really that was spooky. nuts. Like, no. Well, I, I think, do y'all remember the guy at, uh, <clears throat> that got, uh, put in jail for putting, uh, dry ice in a bottle at CSU? This was right after you left, right? What? Uh, you guys might have found, heard about it. At, uh, it was in the Ledger Noir. You remember some of the bombings that were in the uh, in the yeah. newspapers nationally? Well, dry ice bombs. Well, everybody. Well, not dry ice. I'm talking about like the real. There were some, oh. around the United States. There were some real bombings. So all the the uh, like 
campuses and stuff were all freaking out about any possible things. Well, somebody decided to play the prank. They put, you know, dry ice in there and exploded, blew out a window. Oh. Well, instead of just seeing that this guy was just, you know, messing around, they were like, they dragged him to jail, put him in there, and kicked him out of CSU. I mean, he had major consequences. Wow. Oh, wow. I mean, we, do, do we have, Brent, do we have time to talk about zero tolerance and law enforcement? Oh, yeah, sure. We got like another hour and a half. So we're good to go. What do you want to talk about? Oh, no. Just mostly just like the weird zero tolerance, like. Of law enforcement, you said? Yeah, I was just like, well, also just in terms of campuses, like, and how. Now, listen, I'm not one of those types of people that's saying, like, oh, snowflake, snowflake, libtards, whatever, you know, oh, you want your (laughs) favorite. You should be able to go to the the student center and not be called any terrible name or hear those words shouted and you should be able to feel okay in public spaces on a campus. That's you know, the rigor. Yeah. But the psycho, like I've seen a guy get arrested for a utility knife. Like it was, it was pretty wow. It's just, I don't know. I think that universities are like, um, their ideologies is kind of like, eating itself it's like imploding in on itself is like a lot of these uh, campuses strive to be like uh, the the most ideological open and um, you know equal um, environments that you can possibly be in and they strive to be that and in striving to be that they they you know they they feel like oh well you know we can't somebody can't have a knife you know a pocket knife because they may use it against another student we want to have a a safe environment for people to talk about everything but then but, zip ties, though. Yeah, you know, it's 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 like they they're, they're striving to be safe and open um for for everyone is um you know, is like is, is forcing them to go ahead and um you know, uh, attack all different types of, of 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 things. I don't know. I I think that the the knife thing is an overreaction to stuff like the Virginia Tech shooting and you know, just general yeah, violence. That's, I, that's probably more over, right. Yeah, it's it's an overcorrection. Like you can say, "Hey, you can't have this. I'm going to request that you take it off campus or, you know, like if it's if it's against the rules of the campus, like you can't have a knife and you bring a a, a knife on campus and they say, "Hey, this is contraband. Knock it off." But to arrest someone, it it it's to me it is. It's an overcorrection of 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 for a response to violence on college campuses because you know what the more and more I think about it the more and more I think that this problem doesn't really lie inside of the university as it lies in um the media I think that the the the, yeah. the media is so quick to go ahead and grab anything that will go ahead and get people to watch their channel click on their website that um you know if they can go ahead and tool a story into like some kid having a knife and the possibility he may use it on students they'll go ahead and do that and they'll blow it up and then it'll go viral and then these universities have a problem on their hand where um you know uh, their enrollment rate goes down um you know they stop making money yeah, you know, I mean, I think that a lot of a lot of people, um, a lot of entities, corporations, institutions are all scared of, of um, you know, being picked up by the the, the viral media cycle and having, um, you know, their brand or their pockets or you know, the, you know their their reputation hurt, and um, that 
I think that's the that's the that's the biggest concern with with, with with a lot of things right now. So there's always an overreaction, not just in the university, but in corporations too, right? Um, you have one person say something a little bit tongue in cheek, and somebody you know finds it on their Facebook page and then sends it into um, I don't know Salon.com. Salon writes an article about it, then that gets copied and pasted all over the internet. And before you know it, that corporation has fired that person, put out a statement saying that we don't believe, we don't condone anything of what they said, yada yada yada. And um, you know it, it, it just amplifies. It's crazy how something's so small and uh, I think isolated can be blown into like this national uh, story. It's, it's, it's insane. It's, it's cathartic actually in terms of the scope and how it actually works because it doesn't, there's no rhyme or reason to what lands. It's just you at any time, something you said on your wall, it, as long, that's why I don't post shit other than like, I like this piece of media. Mm-hmm. Like, like, and only thumbs up and stuff. Like, I don't talk about what I don't like for all these reasons. Like, the, the, the hive mind can just pick it up and amplify it, and then your life's ruined. And now, uh, right. yeah. we, we've sort of got like a, you know, they talk about like, oh, well, show me the receipts. So I think of it as like a receipt culture. They mm. don't allow, they don't allow room for growth. You know, the, the room to yeah. change. You see this, you see this a lot, especially with, you know, celebrities or you know public people like uh i remember when trevor noah first got the daily show gig they went back on his twitter and picked up something he said and like years ago and yeah, like, right. that's not reflective that that doesn't reflect who i am today yeah that is so true man no it was basically the like it was four years before and it was the equivalent of a women be shopping like that's literally the joke yeah, yeah. well there was there was something about the Jewish community, but most Jewish, like I, I remember the big Jewish coalitions coming out and saying, yeah, no, we're cool with it. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, that is so nuts that, uh, yeah, like something you said <laughs> five years ago now can, like, somebody can just extrapolate that and throw that up there and try to make that as, like, that's a representation of you today. And that's, that's, that's insane, you know? And, and, and the problem is, is that, People who do that, they obviously have a, an agenda behind them, right? They're like, you know, that's used with the intention to try to destroy someone's career or to destroy somebody's reputation, you know, and um, that's not cool at all, at all. I'm getting tired of seeing these articles out here, <laughs> like, taking taking weird comments from, like, the comment sections of social media then using that as like some type of evidence for oh my some like larger, you know, um, you know, conspiracy to destroy whatever identity, identity, ideology, or, 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 or something to that effect. There's so much of that out there. And anybody else listening, next time you go out on the internet and you see like a, a headline saying, um, um, you know, people are shaming this person for this type of identity. Um, make okay. sure you open the article and you go ahead and look for the evidence of that. And you'll see, like, I want to say it, it's so bad. 75% of the time, it's going to be like random comments from Twitter or like from Facebook. And that's going to be their evidence for some type of broad stroking trend out there of like some group or some identity being attacked. And that's not evidence. <laughs> people have shitty, people have a shitty opinions everywhere, man. Everywhere you go, people has some shitty, non-informed opinion about something. And then <laughs> that one person does not mean they represent some type of trend. You know? 
Ben had something to say? Yeah, I was going to, it came to me when you were saying that, you know, how would you get a long-term trend on, on something like that? What kind of pool would you pull from, you know, and, and now, nowadays we're starting to go digital with everything. You'll, you'll see, you'll get emails and surveys and how do you feel about this from all the way from groceries to, Mm -hmm. you know, again, Apple sends you surveys or, you know, if you're a game player, you know, do you like these games or whatever? Um, and it makes me wonder, well, then what, where would we pull our information from? You know what because my opinion is, is, man? A large, that is such a large base of information. If you just think about it, even though you're right, anybody mm-hmm. can put. My opinion like, is that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter until it hits the institutional level. Until somebody starts to try to pass policies, laws, um, regulations um, to enforce a certain you know, um, biased ideology on a group of people. It doesn't matter because it's just what people think. You know, I, I, I don't, th- I don't believe in the concept of um, we should be policing <laughs> the thoughts of of three hundred million oh, no. people. In, in you know, nineteen eighty four state. I agree with that. Yeah, no surveillance. So we shouldn't be doing that. We, to me, we shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be. When I say we, I mean um, really these these society. Uh, well, no, these um these ideological um media companies out there, um you know I'll go ahead and point one out, uh Salon for one of them. Um, you you want a conservative one? Um, the Independent um, Review Journal that's super conservative, like Duck Dynasty people and stuff like that. On that, they should not be going out there in the world, um, trying to go ahead and um police the ideological trends of like oh, the, the, the ideologies of ordinary people <laughs> yes we we get it people have horrible thoughts there's some awful people out there but to go ahead and like you know try to go ahead and build some conspiracy off of uh you know the comments and stuff no nah, dude give me a break um, man what do you think about the um <clears throat> the new documents being released by uh by donald well not by donald trump but by by the government uh and the cia and the fbi trying to uh, hold back several hundred pages of those documents on the, uh, the JFK assassination. Here's my opinion. I think that they want to say, hey, we're all about disclosure, and we're doing this, and we're awesome. Mm. Look at us. We're disclosing information without having to actually disclose anything that <laughs> means anything, right? Like, it's it's all about uh, – I think that it's it's one of those coordinated plays of – Hey, let's let's control the media cycle. Let's control our public image and let us seem like we are transparent. That's that's something that I hmm. I hear a lot with the current administration and the current uh, Congress is transparency. So it's it's saying, hey, we want the people to have the information, but yet they're not really releasing the information. And even if they did, really. What you're going to find out is what a lot of people have already figured out. Some FBI, one of the FBI guys in his car accidentally blew his head off and they, you know, that just happened. And that's, and that's, it was a terrible thing and it was a mistake, but there's no like grand conspiracy to hide anything or do anything. So it's just like, okay, great. Well, I know that now, but I really am more curious about are we still torturing people and how many drone strikes have there been recently? Like, have we killed any American citizens recently? And, I'd be concerned about that. 
Also, wait, what do you mean you, you just passed a budget that cuts what? Anyway. Yeah, people are not going to change their, like, people have a set opinion and set ideas about the JFK assassination. So it's it's not like releasing new information is going to change, like, people who have conspiracy theories are still going to have conspiracy theories. New about world it. order, like, bro. Yeah. New world order. It's coming. No, I, I agree with that about those about those documents being. And there were a lot of people that uh, uh, celebrities that thought you know, there were going to be some major revelations with these like thirty six hundred documents or something being released. But um, you know, with him saying, "Oh, there were you know over seventy or uh, you know something documents that were still needed to be classified as um, you know that." Uh, top secret because it could you know if they were released it could hurt our you know national security i it made me wonder you know how can a document that old hurt our national security or the podcast audience i'm making a jerking off gesture uh man you know i mean the only way it affects our national security is is realistically like i guess some of these documents would go ahead and um i don't even know how you can do this but um make um are the credibility of the u.s government worse <laughs> you know i mean like that's the only thing i can think of like there is something in these documents that shows um even more of a, of a corrupt inefficient bureaucracy you know that's the only thing i can think of is that um they're just stuffing these documents that that shows that when kennedy got assassinated there was these people around who didn't know what the hell they were doing or um they messed up the filing of the paperwork or they skipped over some important evidence and then to try to, to try to hide it. I think, a, I think a lot of, a, a lot of this classified information and stuff that's out there, I think it's really the United States government trying to hide its own ineptitude most of the time. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. You're just trying to yeah. go ahead and hide it it's, it's where it failed, you know? And, um, I, yeah, go for it. Uh, CNN was on in one of my residence rooms and they, they or it might have not been whatever one of those uh, and they were talking about uh, an assassination like one of the things disclosed was an assassination attempt on Fidel Castro they tried to pay a mobster to assassinate and I'm sitting here like didn't we already know that like it, it's it's one of those things and then they talked about uh I don't remember who it was, the CIA director or deputy director. They were, and they were, he was being deposed or whatever. And he was asked if Lee Harvey Oswald had ever been a CIA agent or a known agent, period. And his answer isn't there. And it's one of those things where I'm just like, this kind of makes it a little worse. Yeah. Like, my question is this. Okay. Okay. Conspiracy theorists out there in the world. What if the information was released, right? And, and and you found out that um there were two actors, or maybe there were three, you know? Or what what would you do? What what next then? The information you're looking for comes out, and you point at it, and you show everybody you know. See, I was right. I was right. The conspiracy theory is right. Well, what happens after that? What what happens next? You know what happens next? Nothing. Say that again, Ryan. The truth of our reality now is so much worse 
It is like no corruption, no mistake, nothing they could tell us about the backroom, stogie-chewing, whiskey-drinking nonsense that probably followed that assassination or oopsie, as I'm guessing it was, and as most people have figured out that it is. Nothing they could show us would like dwarf the carnival shit show that we live in currently. So, you know, whatever. Exactly. Is the world even being serious right now? Because I don't know. No. No, man. I mean, we're all in a farce, dude. This is it's ridiculous times. Ben, what were you going to say? Well, one of the revelations that was being thrown out there was that a sitting senator, Ted Cruz, his father has something to do with this. And that was part of why the FBI, not the CIA, which was a trying to withhold some information in the bureaucracy. That has yet to be, uh, uh, you know, further followed up on. You know, you talk about, well, what could be done? I think a lot could be done, uh, you know, as far as cleaning up uh, legally. You talk about what's important with legislation and passing stuff, making sure that, uh, you know, government agencies like the CIA – uh, and the FBI have, you know, more oversight and are more transparent, uh, you know, truthfully to um, to the to the people that uh, put them in power, mm. so that shit like this doesn't go down. I mean, they're releasing those documents of their own largesse, and they will likely keep those documents to themselves because uh, they just said so. Because the one thing that I've come to learn about our government is that rules are rules for us. But once you get to a certain echelon of power, you can just be like, no, because I said so. Look at look at what, you know, the tangerine tyrant has done. He's like, I just said so. So we're not doing it like, nope, I don't care. I don't care about your rules. I don't care about the law. It doesn't matter. Like, look at what happened. Well, I'll say this. Look at what happened when the Podesta emails leaked. Looked at what happened when WikiLeaks started putting all that shit out there. And people started going, oh, holy shit, there's actual stuff going on that we don't fucking know about. And, I don't know, man. I don't think and, it's anything. You know what? Those, 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 those emails and um, those drops by WikiLeaks literally changed, you know, I mean, it, it affected the election of Hillary Clinton, but I think the, the, the larger... Um, arc of um, where the United States government is heading hasn't changed at all. All the, all that information was used um, as political, you know, fodder to go ahead and uh, tar a certain candidate. But well, I, I mean, did we get any Liberty from that? I mean, has the United States government changed because um, those emails broke? No, actually we find out right now that um, guess what? Um, Trump and um, his <laughs> friends are all using, you know, um, email accounts outside of, um, of, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, out of dot gov, and um, we we, we, we know that Donald Trump's businesses um, are, 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 are most likely um, <laughs> um, corrupt in some in, in, in some aspect, but so, so so nothing changed from them. If anything, I would say things possibly got worse. You know. It's like um, the, 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 those things being exposed um, were, were tooled and used in a certain way. And I think um, 
a large part of that was um, how WikiLeaks handled it. You know, I, I think that um, those emails and stuff were 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 dumped in a fashion in which they can be exploited, and they were exploited. Um, people took just certain sentences from some of those emails and um, removed the context of them and tried to blow them up into something massive and huge. Um, I, I think that WikiLeaks has been using their platform as uh, a, a political weapon. I mean, you know, look at Julian Assange's memo, right? You know, where where he where he actively talks about <laughs> the way you topple a government like the United States or you end their imperialism is um you go ahead and you make all of their communication seem distrustful um that they they they, they yeah. can't trust their own bureaucracy and um, yeah, that's how you get start, rid of them. It has to start from within. Remember, also you want to talk about change from 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 something else. Do you remember the Prism revelations that was given by um? Uh, Edward Snowden. This this talked about how uh, Prism program was to, uh, written by uh, William Binney of the NSA, mm -hmm. and it talked about how they uh, <clears throat> uh, how they illegally obtained uh, information off of people's cell phones. Mm -hmm. uh, that within itself uh, could have taken George Bush uh, Jr. and got if they had known about it. Could have gotten him impeached. I, you, you know, know. We talk about the, the the revelations that these things have and why they're important. And I agree with you. I think it's how we use them and how we look at that information. We don't. But no, we don't. The average citizen already knows its government is shit. So you, you you go ahead and you expose these documents. You put them out there. The average citizen looks at it like. You're not really telling me something I don't know. I know there's conspiracies. I know that there are people in high echelons of power abusing it and, and using it in shady ways. I know that these things are going on and they're awful. I don't need to know all the details. I, I understand they're going on. Oh, I understand the, that. So, so no action happens. No action happens. The, your elected representatives that, hey, look, we can prove that this is going on. And you need to change something because your elected representatives, if you just say that, go, you're a crank or you're a conspiracy nut. And then there's nothing you can do. So people like us who actually want to change things and go, we don't just want to live in a nation of shit with a, a you know, an orange tyrant. There has to, to be literally a super smoking gun. Like you remember what's his name? Uh, Steele, the um, head of like the Republican, the RNC, where they like. Yeah, found like yeah. a whole bunch of money in his fridge, like literally like <laughs> like stacks of cash that he was uh, using yeah. for all types of stuff. That's the type of smoking yeah. gun you need to go ahead and have where somebody's gonna literally go to jail jail in order to um you know try to get some action done. And then and, and then the cool. action that happens is never like any type of um society changing action. All they do is they toss the guy into jail. These parties then say that um yeah we, we disagree completely with what he did. And they move on with their normal agenda. It's like they isolate these people who are corrupt, get rid of them, but the but the larger strategy of these of these people in power don't change, you know? But but with Prism I think one thing that you need to remember is that a lot of people are willing to give up. A, they're willing to give up privacy in exchange for security, as long as they're not the ones who has, who ultimately has to pay the price of going to jail or whatever. Because mm 
I I don't think that there was anyone. I I joked well before Prism came out with uh, my friend Kyle. I was like, yeah, the government when they read all these texts I send you probably think I'm a crazy person. Mm-hmm. So when when the Snowden reveal happened, I was not surprised because I was already assuming. I think in I brought up post nine eleven before, but in it, in the post nine eleven world, we all kind of assumed the government is doubly watching us. Benny went back after 9-11. He went back to the CIA and said, you know what, I think we should run our program through what we have, through our intercept program, and see if we could figure out if we could have catch the actual terrorists that went in there. And they found intercepts where they could have actually stopped it in several places beforehand. The, C- or the NSA, when they found out that they ran it, got rid of them, said, uh, you guys need to get rid of all this information uh, that that would be really bad if anybody ever found out about it. And that's part of why they went after him specifically. They SWAT teamed his family and several of his co-workers who were in that group that created that program. Hmm. What were you going to say, Ryan? Oh, shit. What was I going to say? What, what did I start with? <laughs> oh, no. It's called the Patriot Act. Anything named the Patriot Act, you know what that means. Like, anytime mm-hmm. some jingoistic <laughs> bullshit gets thrown out there, you know it can't be good. So, yeah, I... I I agree with Sam that we knew we've always known. Like I listen, you think I didn't know that like notice that when I talk about a thing and then go search for a thing on Google, it, it auto like finds the thing I'm looking for <laughs> without me having tried. Yeah. These things, the- yeah. They listen. It's fine. I know. I know a guy whose job it was to listen to Google con- like shit that has been recorded by phones. That was not, you know, willingly, you know, done. Like, no one, like, hit a button was like, okay, Google, let's do this. It's just conversation pieces to see if their, pro, you know, their AIs were understanding human speech correctly. And these are passive recordings because mm. you agreed to it. And that's okay. I mean, I know it's happening. I just don't say, you know, I don't say anything too terrible in front of my little dark ear. So, yeah, with uh, the... I- well, with that being said, I mean, I mean, the the point I'm getting to is that yeah, it's good to go ahead and expose this stuff. You know, it at the very least it serves as a deterrent for the further deterioration of um of uh, you know our our, our governments and our yeah. bureaucracies. Um, but as far as like exposing these people being like an act, <clears throat> an agent of change, it's it's just it it's not. People are desensitized to this stuff. I mean, it's like that's a voter engagement problem, like. Being agents of change, the lack of change, that is a 100% like engagement problem. Like that's not like if the revelation was so strong that, you know, our voter turnout doubled, like that might mean something. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, like there's a lot of lethargy in being, especially like, for example, like I'm in Georgia, like Mm -hmm. most of us are in Georgia, and we know that Georgia is a red state. Georgia is a red state. Always going to be a red state. Well, hey, Kansas, Kansas is too. Kansas is a red state. So it, it's kind of one of those, like, well, what's the fucking point? Like, I know the machinery is set in place to where my vote doesn't matter anymore because they fully set up the machinery so that my vote doesn't matter. So what the hell do I do? Like, how do I even... How I do live... I where I live, well, I don't whisper. even live... I don't even live in, like, a blue district. Like, there's no blue district near me, right? Like... So, 
for me, you know, in Georgia, you have your metropolitan areas where you do have Democratic voters. There's no chance for for me. <laughs> and I still went out and I and look, I'm going to say this. I do not like Hillary Clinton very much for various reasons. Yep. I don't like a lot of politicians. So, you know, whatever. But I still <laughs> went out and I still voted for Hillary Clinton because I foresaw a lot of what's going down and just I, I was like, I there's no way. There's no way I would ever vote for Trump. But I think that's one of the things is that you have kind of this defeatist attitude. And while I don't know that if people who are like, well, my vote doesn't matter, I don't know if they would change the tide or not. I think that you have to, until we can change the system, and, and let's be honest, we need to change the electoral electoral process because this past election was just ludicrous. The difference. It it was millions. And no matter what our president says, there were not millions of illegal voters. There just, there weren't. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to see that you can affect change. And, but it's one of those things like, uh, I don't, was it you brought, someone had posted something about, uh, Obama saying, you know, if you didn't vote, don't complain. And, <laughs> oh, yeah, that was, me. I was yeah. 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 I was like, I'm always posting shit, like, man. You love, you love stirring shit. I've seen it. I, I have, <laughs> I, I have a number of people who like to post stuff like that and I have them on my seat first on Facebook because I'm like, I want to know this. Sh- I want to know when I pop on Facebook. I want to know what people are talking about. Yeah. But someone said, well, you know, what's the point in voting? And I was like, I live in Kansas. I live in rural Kansas and I voted. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's one of those things that they need to make voting more accessible because yeah. it's just not accessible. And, but if, if you can vote, if it's one of those things where you have the time and your job allows you to go or whatever, you should vote. Because at the very least, we can look at, you know, what happened in the past presidential election and say, hey, something is broken. We have the data to back up that something is broken because people still voted. Now, imagine if all the people who didn't like Trump and were like, I would vote for Hillary if my vote mattered. Imagine if all of them had voted. We'd have even more proof. Yeah. Oh, I and, totally yeah, I, I, I think. Yeah, I think that um, you know, I mean, I'm of the mindset that if you're gonna vote in our general election, our uh, national election, um, you should do it because you want to go ahead and um, put out there your ideological intentions at the very least, and uh, the more people who vote the less space there is for um, ideological radicals and zealots to go ahead and a- occupy that, that, that vacuum and then tool it to their own use. So what I mean is like, <clears throat> what we see today is like all those that, that all, if all those people who didn't vote, um, that, that, that leaves a, a vacuum, a space. So you have, um, ultra conservatives now and Trump supporters trying to fill that with their own narrative, trying to make these justifications and saying that, see, this is what the people wanted. You know, the people wanted our, our message here. 
that's the reason why <laughs> we got elected, yeah. you know. And um, so that can't happen. Like Sam was saying, if we if more people vote, there is a more of a record of this ideological split between the actual vote count and what happens at the electoral college. So you should vote for that at the very least. What people now, if you want to vote to make a difference, go out to your damn local elections. That's <laughs> that's the, that's where it counts. I tried. I tried, man. Yeah. What happened? I. What happened? Were you in the? Were you in that one district? What, what, I don't remember yeah, what this is. Uh, Ossoff? The, the Ossoff election? Ossoff versus Handel, yeah. yeah. You tried to go so, out and what happened? Um, shithead Republicans, as always. Like, oh, uh, uh, yeah. So so what you're saying is, you voted, it just didn't change the outcome of the election. It changed the outcome. Like I said, I feel it's, it's not a good attitude. I'm no, see, that's not what I'm vote. talking about, though. I'm not talking about that. That's... That's for a federal spot. That's still a general election. I'm talking about voting for your state representatives. I'm talking about those those off season elections for um, your city council. I'm talking about going. That's the level you need to be going out there and voting for people because those people affect your community directly. And the the, the more people you have in those city council seats, um, the more DAs you vote in, the more. Um, you know, uh, police commissioners and stuff that you vote in, the, the, the more you're going to see an effect on a local level that represents your values. I'm not talking about the, the people who go to uh, Washington and stuff. I mean, we need to start way before then. Because, yeah, honestly, the people who affect your day-to-day life more, and this is, I think, you know, I talked before about, you know, how rural people view, like, Washington doesn't really affect how people live their lives. It, it does in a broader sense, like in a big picture way, but like as far as your day to day, I think the attitude of a lot of people is like, it, it doesn't really affect me. I don't really yeah, care you, as much about that. You want police to stop arresting you on some bullshit? Go ahead and <laughs> show up to, you know, vote in your next police commissioner. Go to that election and be like, oh, so you're the guy who's setting these initiatives and the the, the budget for police officers and their pay and all that type of stuff. How about we get that other guy in? Because obviously, you know, you're not doing a job that I think represents my values. That's where we need to start at. Or like, you know, you are tired of um, red light cameras in your district you know sending you tickets and shit in the mail well that has to do with your city council council appropriating money money and and budgeting that to be installed you you know you go ahead and you you vote in city council members and most of the time you go to those elections they're empty nobody's there it's literally like a handful of people and that is it and um in like they tally up the votes and it's literally in like you know the maybe a hundred people voted for these people even though they were talking about districts where maybe 10,000 or so people live you know it's It's, nobody pays attention to that it's also not widely advertised either oh yeah they keep that on the low you know they keep that definitely on the low they don't want people to come out and vote for those because that's where power starts that's that's the ground floor of power a lot of so, politicians who start, that's where they start at. They start at the city council. Then eventually, you know, they grease enough palms and stuff. Then they move up to um, a, a county position. Then from there, they move to a state position. And then the ones who um, are ideologically the strongest, um, then they move to 
you know, the big money, the federal, you know, the, the position. Then once you get up, once you get to the House and once you get to the Senate, Senate, cha-ching, you're, you're, you're good. <laughs> you're good. Those are six-figure positions. I think you hit on kind of like the bigger, like, if you want to get down to like the core issue, and this is like, I'm going to use this word in like, not the, you know, knocking over ballot boxes sense, but voter suppression mm-hmm. is like, if you want like a core, core issue of like why we're so screwed, it's like disabling people from voting at all, like is just, if you want policy that is toxic, monstrous, couldn't be more clear what the intention is, like, that's it. It's, it's that. It's people not, oh, well, no more early voting because mm-hmm. this thing that doesn't exist. It's literally just ghost stories that <laughs> take people's rights away. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, but, you know, that all starts at the, at the city level. You know, that all starts at the city level. They control where the voting is happening and what um, community centers and stuff around your city has it in. They go ahead and they um, recommend hours. They know they those people in your city, they have the data. They're like, hmm, we know that um, generally nobody shows up between, uh, you know, 10 and, and 4, 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. because everybody's at work. And then, you know, the, the, the state commissioner goes, OK, good. Well, that's well, more sinister voice. Good. That's when we'll have the elections. <laughs> and you were talking- 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. is what it will be. And the state, like, everyone talks about gerrymandering, but nobody is fixing gerrymandering. And it's baffling. Yeah. That is so hard, though. You know, so uh, our previous... Uh, a couple podcasts back, we talked about that, and a, and a guy who regularly shows up, a guy named Dave. What's up, David? Um, he brought up a good point. Is like the reason why nothing is getting done is because there's no, there hasn't been a good way to do it. There's no, there's no way to. Um, you, you can't create a policy if you know you don't have a roadmap, or you can't demonstrate the math of how it will work fair. So, yeah. you know, that's that's the big problem is that uh, and this issue won't go away. I think the Supreme Court is actually hearing the case now about gerrymandering. What happened out in Wisconsin, where uh, there's some crazy districts out in Wisconsin where it's like super gerrymandered towards, you know, uh, the Republican Party. And they actually cracked them and broke them up. So and went to the Supreme Court. But um, I think David's right in the fact that the Supreme Court probably won't do anything about it. And they won't do anything about it because the Supreme Court is going to be like, we're not going to go ahead and set a president if we don't have a way that if somebody can't demonstrate to us a fair way that districts are drawn, you know, if somebody can't show the math to us and how it will be done fairly, then we can't do anything about it. So they're, so they're not going to make a ruling at all. They're just going to kick it down, you know, kick it down the line. And, um, you know, maybe a decade later, <laughs> this will come up again. But there's people who are working on the math right now. They're trying to figure out, um, you know, how to accurately draw these um, these lines and represent people's, you know, voting blocks and whatnot. So, but um, I think that's a perfect segue into some pup play. <laughs> uh, is this is this where we? Is this where we start talking about how you need an escape from the real world and yes, yes. How, how terrible it is? Exactly. You, you you're tired of uh you know the man holding the you down. Side. Dress up in a, in a in a in a puppy costume, and um have oh. a handler. 
And, um, you know. I found some quotes because I did some research. Yeah. So, so to get you up to speed, Ryan, you know what we're talking about. There's this. Oh, um, no, all, all you had to do was say, like, dress up. And I'm like, oh, so Pup playing the most, like, easy sense to understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Okay. Oh, yeah. The, the, the yeah. fetish. The, the, the. Yeah. What, do, what do you guys think about that? What do you think about that, Samantha? You said you had some quotes. Okay. I do, because I, I went and I looked, and there was an article, uh, it was like the first thing that popped up, and it was actually referenced in some other stuff that I found, but it's on like the stranger.com, which I think is out of Seattle mm-hmm. or something, but I liked the opening paragraph. Uh, to to set the, the scene, it grew out of the BDSM community. It was really popular in the like gay community, but uh, so the opening paragraph, says, if you're having trouble understanding the appeal of puppy play, just imagine how amazing it would be if there were a form of group relaxation where you could empty your mind of all your cares, forget all of your responsibilities, lower all of your defenses, and bypass small talk forever. Now imagine that vigorous cuddling and praise are key components of this relaxation technique. Hook, line, sinker, I'm in. Let's do it. (laughs) And did I mention snacks? I'm sorry, continue. And did I mention snacks? You get snacks. Awesome. Why aren't we all pupping right now? Dude, I point out, though, that you could say the exact same thing for age play, which is a thing, which is being a baby. Well, okay, age play can be a lot of shit, but being a baby is one of them. So, you may as well be selling it with a diaper. Well, my mind. uh, (laughs) I, I... it goes on in the uh, in the article, and it talks about this one guy, Tugger. Um, he's uh, Tugger is his pup name. Uh, he said Tugger discovered that his unease melted away when he was a poodle. It took practice. His first time, quote, I put on a hood and I was trying a little too hard, and finally the dom looked at me and said, "You're still thinking. You're thinking about how to do this and worried about looking dumb." Let go, just react, just play. Learning to let go, reacting to the world instead of staying in his head and just playing helped change Tugger from a nervous, shy guy to the proud leather poodle who turned every head at this year's uh, IML International Mr. Leather. Uh, But... uh, And then I found there was a study that was done about it and someone said... Life is a bit simpler in the headspace. It's nice not to do anything and just relax. Someone else said, when I do pup play, sometimes it's an escape from the world into a different mindset. I enjoy not feeling the need to be responsible. <laughs> Where do I start? I personally care how you get yours. Like, I don't care. I mean, I understand that stuff like this isn't necessarily a sex thing for people. Like it's not sexual. Sometimes it can just literally be like a fulfillment. It's a fulfillment, which is different. Um, but you know, I mean, that's different for a lot of people, I guess there, I'd like to think that most people have a way to do what they're saying without, you know, at, like, I don't know. I'd like to think that some people know how to relax. If it doesn't, if it doesn't really affect, like, if you are not hurting another person, it's one of those things where I, I personally, I'm just like, eh, whatever. Well, that's for everything, right? That's for everything. That's, that's that's a generalized statement. That's for anything, you know, as long as you're not doing anything and you're not harming another person then go for it. I mean, I think everybody can agree with that. Yeah. But like I did live action role playing Mm -hmm. and that was, (laughs) 
And that, you know, you take a weekend out of your month and you go and you're someone else and you have different worries. It's pretty I weird think, too. You know, I've done it. It's fun, <laughs> yeah. but it's still weird. <laughs> I, it's like my, it's my shit. So mm-hmm. I understand. But I think, I think people have that. A lot of people have a, an activity where they are able to shut off their brain and not think like even like drinking alcohol mm. socially or whatever. But my thing where I get a little concerned is the people who will do it practically full time because I have had this conversation with people. It's coping mechanisms are fine. It's when it gets unhealthy that I worry about you. So we're teetering on the edge of unhealthy. I think with pup play, I mean, that's, that's my personal opinion. It's like, yeah, we're, 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 we're on the edge where it can easily go either way. You know, How long yeah. the pup. <laughs> Length of time as pup is really like the key metric of how healthy it is. Yeah. If it's or, like, mm, a day, two days. I, know. I run across you and like <laughs> you've been in your suit for like a, you know, maybe six months, man. Tugger, you know, you're no, going to have to, you, you need to take a break, Tugger, you know, I mean. Uh, or, know. or the other thing about it, like, do you think, uh, are you like, well, I'm not responsible for what Tugger does. Do you start to have a, a divorce from reality. Like, is it like a disassociation? Because I do that sometimes. And I'm like, Oh, I did not know I did that thing. But I, I acknowledge and I accept like, okay, that was still me, even if I don't remember it. But if you are, if you are taking this other persona, this, I say persona, but can you call it a persona? If it's a dog, it is. (laughs) What do you think, Ben? You're thinking of the article that that we both read, or and I'm, I was thinking to myself that knowing people in the in the S and M community, it's to me it's very similar to the to the sub dominant relationship, where the sub is is um, kind of just set with the eyes closed in their own headspace for hours, mm-hmm. and you know it. We can even think of it like this, like powerful people who have to deal with, uh, and I'll give you an example, like CEOs of large companies who constantly have to deal with this or, um, you know, mothers of large families who have lots of, lots of things they have to deal with. They'll find ways, again, like Sam said, coping mechanisms to deal with uh, stuff. I think you're a little bit correct that, this does kind of teeter on weird, but everybody <laughs> has their own what what's way too weird. Um, I'm with Ryan. I think you know maybe diaper play is a little bit too weird for me, but other people they like it. Yeah, I think I it's mean, how long you. I think it's how long you stay in that persona. Well, if you're if you're spending literally more than four grand on a costume like that video I showed, and like you know, and um, sleeping in a crate, sleeping in a crate in a, in a cage in a, in a dog crate, and you're oh, um, yeah. and okay. yeah, Fair and enough. you you've given up real human communications with other people, you know, because um, being spot you know, or the dog is, is more important to your life, you know, then <laughs> I, I think you're, you're, you're pretty close to, um, being in a dangerous, uh, you know, uh, mentally unhealthy area, you know, Harper, I have experienced all of these terrible behaviors coming out of people who, you know, have a narrative in a game 
to back it up. Like I've seen, I've seen it all in that regard. So yeah, I mean, it's like it really depends on the mental state of the person going into it, and they're gonna. Occasionally, you'll get someone who does, who has a really, really hard time with what's called bleed or whatever, mm-hmm. or you know, like or the complete disassociation, which I actually have not. I have not seen a complete disassociation from. Well, I guess the game in Nuremberg, where it's what my character would do, so it doesn't like you're not allowed to get mad at me if I hurt your feelings. Yeah, sort of thing. I guess that's as close to it as you get, like in terms of just completely disassociating yourself. From the character you play, yeah. So yeah, I can see that, but that's yeah, yeah. that isn't a healthy response. No, yeah, exactly, exactly. And um, <clears throat> you know, I mean, I, I understand we want to go ahead and strive to um, you know, be 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 fair and um, you know, not uh, uh, sensationalize, I guess, or misrepresent um, you know, what what these people do and maybe what you know other people's kinks and stuff are. I mean, it's. I, I understand that too, but we, you still got to go ahead and yeah. you, you, you still got to, I mean, I, I don't think it's wrong to talk about like, like no, there's, there, there's something serious. There's something seriously up with this. Like, wait a minute. You like to, um, dress up in a diaper and walk around and, um, you, you know, you, um, you, you get arousal as an adult from, uh, somebody taking care of you as if you were a child. There, there, there may be some hidden mental trauma there somewhere yeah. along the line. The internet well, may take issue with this. Well, yeah. the, yes, the internet might, because we're kink shaming, but my, yeah, my, <laughs> my kink thing, shaming, kink shaming, that's a thing. Yes. Yeah. You don't know yes, about that? You're a man on the internet and you don't know the phrase kink shame? I mean, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I didn't know it was termed. I didn't know oh, that somebody finally just, put a stamp on that term. I was about to make a joke about, like, the, there's going to be a salon article the day this episode drops. <laughs> it's like, Georgia Podcast spends 45 minutes kink shaming people. But that's the headline. Right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. You know, this, then, oh, yeah, they, like, lift my Facebook page. Look at this guy. Look, look, look at all these comments and stuff in these laughs. Yeah, I know, um, right? I, but, no, I, I just want to say real quick. Then Breitbart, uh, you know, picks me up and be like, we want you to come on here and talk about your experience, man. You know, they, <laughs> the, 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 the crazy left, uh, the libtards, you know, tried to target and shame you, right? You know, come on. You know, we'll, give, we'll give you a few grand. Go ahead and talk about how they, how they hurt you. <laughs> and turns um, into this big thing. But for me, that's, that's where the, if it's not hurting anybody, it's possible to hurt yourself and that's not okay. You know, like you need to understand, and this goes back to, is it healthy or unhealthy? Is it affecting your life negatively? Are you using it as a, an excuse not to confront your mental health issues? Are you using it as an excuse to not confront whatever is stressing you out? Like that's when, it's like, this is not just harmless fun for a couple of hours. This is you just not dealing with something. See, that's that's the bigger issue for me. The, the bigger issue for me is like, I, I first of all, let me put the disclaimer out there. Just in case one day in, in the future, somebody listens to this, lifts this conversation and tries to tool it in some horrible way, is that I'm all for people doing whatever they want to do long as they're not hurting other people. You enjoy dressing up in a dog outfit and um, having a handler. That is you, and that is perfectly fine. 
You know, I mean, there are a lot worse things you can be doing out there in the world. Trust me. You know, there, there's horrible things going out there. And if, and if that's what go ahead and makes you feel comfortable in your life and, um, you know, you have a community and you, you, you feel good doing that by all means do that. You know, that is, that is you, that, that is perfectly fine. What I'm getting to is that, um, I think that there are, there, there, there in society, there's this there's this growing effect where people aren't coming up with healthy coping mechanisms for everyday life. You know, there is, there, you know, there's a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress in the world and people are doing all types of things to, um, you know, deal with that. Everything from hard drinking to hard drugs to, um, you know, dressing up as a dog for, you know, I don't know, months at a time. Well, to putting diapers on themselves. I mean, All... the phrase is self-care, right? Like, that's the phrase yeah. that people use these days. And it's and it, it's all well and good, but, you know, like, eventually you got to come down. And, you know, like, life's going to suck sometimes. And I understand that. You can't spend, like, five days out of seven days just fully taking care of your own mental health because you got to go to work at some point, I guess. What's even more toxic is, is, I mean, not toxic, but even more disturbing is that there's, there are, there, there's such thing as a, a handler in this community where, where there is somebody who literally treats you like a dog. That, that, what's going on with that person? Yeah. You know, what's going on with, 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 yeah, that individual there that, um, they're putting. That person is likely very shy outside of that. And mm. I, I will. Yeah. If you want to, like, go into, I, I mean, I know a lot of people in this sort of community, like in ethnic mm-hmm. communities in general, BDSM communities in general. It's big in Atlanta. They usually just point to the opposite of the thing they are day to day, and that's a really, that's an, it's not like you're not going to hit the target 100% of the time, but mm-hmm. you've got an 80% chance of landing yeah. kind of close to your target of pick the thing that they aren't day to day. And they're the and opposite. Transverse. Yeah. And that's it. Oh, okay. That's really interesting. I guess that makes sense that, um, yeah, like, uh, Ben, you were saying that there's people in powerful positions who are in control of a lot of stuff. They're very assertive, very dominant, but, um, you know, in, in, in their private life, you know, to get a release from maybe from that pressure and whatnot, they like to go ahead and, um, become somebody submissive to, to give up all of that control and stuff and, and, and be, um, on the opposite side for a while, have that relief. Then there's people the level who. The of extravagance varies. There's yeah. a story, and I've, I've heard of a, of a CEO has a person on his payroll, and I, I can't source this, I'm sorry, but this is just, I heard it on another podcast about this sort of thing, mm-hmm. and it, it, the person on his payroll is literally just there to surprise abuse him. Like, it's a woman whose job it is. <laughs> surprise abuse him? While, just apparently do the equivalent of a verbally abuse him and punch him in the dick at random intervals when he's not expecting. Whoa. So he just like busts busts into his office and just looks at him and starts like, you know, like there you are, you piece of shit. And just walks up to him and just, mm, just, just starts wailing on him. Well, not just that, but like, Hey, get on your knees and, and puts a uh, cigarette out on his tongue. Yeah. man, completely using Hmm. horrible. Um, I, in that Channel 4 documentary, mm-hmm. it's uh, the one that you Brent sent a, a link to, like a trailer or an excerpt from it. I, I kind of found a link for the whole thing, but it was kind of one of those sketchy ones. Yeah. Uh, but I saw another video about it. It's called, like, The Secret Life of Human Pups. And I don't remember if it's from the, 
the video you shared or a different mm-hmm. one, but one of the people said, as a puppy, like, who doesn't like a puppy? Like, mm. everyone will love you. And I think that's part of part of the... I, I'm not really well-versed in the sub-dom situation, but I think in puppy play, it seems to me like... Like, I have a dog who is a, a dog dog, not a human dog. And... Uh, <laughs> so you know it's nice to have this dog that just loves you and it's just like hey will you pet me even though I don't always want to because I'm like I'm tired but it's nice to have someone who wants your affection Mm, and it's it's nice I, I imagine if I were you know on the other end of it like it would be nice to have someone you know like Hey, I'm going to to praise you and be like, "Hey, that's a good girl," and yeah, because you don't always get that from the world. Yeah. So I, I mean, I guess I, I, I don't fully get behind. Like, it's not something I would ever be like. Yes, I will try this out for you know an hour. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't feel comfortable with it. <laughs> but I can, I like that paragraph I read. I yeah. can sort of see the appeal of, hey, you. You know, you think about uh, they call dogs man's best friend, and mm-hmm. I think there's just like a cultural and cultural attitude towards dogs, like that. I could see someone who doesn't feel love, who who feels that void, is like, hey, this is how I can feel that. Yeah, there's like um some sense of um you know I I, I kind of say that I feel like the the more alienated a person is, you know the the the, the the more the more alienated they feel, at the least. Maybe they're not alienated, but they feel alienated. They feel like they don't belong in a, a certain group, or or they're not understood, or something like that. Um, the more chance that um you know they they have um some co- some unusual coping mechanism to go ahead and deal with that alienation. And it doesn't have to be you know a sexual or a kink. It could be it could be be something else. <clears throat> you know, maybe they um play video games consistently all day that um they they found their community and their sense of belonging inside of a game or you know it could be something else completely different they they i don't know they paint all day where they are able to go ahead and get out that um that that stress maybe that depression by putting themselves in a creative headspace where they could create or maybe they write all day or something like that but um you know it can also come out in what we consider you know sexual i guess deviance at least from the judeo-christian norms the end of that matt bloom article on the stranger uh it's like the last sentence uh but he says making friends calming nerves overcoming fears understanding yourself puppy play seems to serve a psychological function that other kinks don't always reach you'll note we haven't even talked about sex but why Mm. pretend to be a dog why not just listen to Enya and squeeze a stress ball? That's harder. To, <laughs> that's harder to answer. But I suspect that some pups just need a, a more forceful way to relax, or maybe the structure of puppy play, loose though it may be, provides permission to unwind. Mm. Whatever the case, puppy play has exploded in popularity. Another thing too is I think that there's a lot of like um you know where we we build this construct of a society around us. And um, it's artificial in a lot of sense. And we're constantly like repressing um, a lot of our biological tendencies in order to get along with each other and, um, you know, make this society work. An easy way to get back to um, 
your biological callings is, um, you know, all types of um, sexual kinks. You know, it's, you know, it's hard. It's hard living. And I think in any, you know, Western culture and society, you're, you go to your job, you're like you were saying, Ryan, you know, sometimes you want to say or whatever. And, um, you know, a lot of times you can't just express yourself. You, you have to go ahead and follow this, this formula that, you know, society gives you. And, 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 that, and, and that's tiresome, you know? So, you know, that part out, by the way. Okay. No, no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Like, I'll, I'll take that out. I'll make sure. I'll make well, sure I take Ryan, that out. Ryan might not specifically want to t- yeah. A lot of people have that impulse of like, there's someone says something and you just want to be like, listen up. I just, no, not today. Yeah. And those of us who are responsible don't give in to that. But it's nice to be able to just give in to like whatever you want to do in a moment. And have that freedom of just saying be an animal my impulse is to bite you right now so i'm gonna bite you yeah yeah you know <laughs> it's uh you know just j- j- just go wild there's something to you know to be said for that you know um like people who like to go on hunt and stuff right you know um those extreme hunters who go out into the woods for like a month or something by themselves and they just track elk and and deer or, or whatever and and like spear hunt literally spear hunt a bear and um you know they a lot of people are gonna be like dude you know what are you why, why are you doing something like that and it's like you know just those people say that you know i feel like i get back to something something more primal where all i'm concerned with is like my own survival out here and being in the wilderness and um that alone time you know being myself you know whatever whatever it may be i think that um that's important i will say this though those pup costumes to me they look pretty scary, man. <laughs> Don't they look like creepy? Like if like somebody was like walked into your house with that on in like the dark, you wouldn't be thinking that they're there for pup play. <laughs> Brent, have you seen the horse costumes? What? There's I- horses. Oh, oh no! Whoa, dude! I was about to jump in. Ride other people, and there are people who act like chariots. There, so they they hook themselves together, like you would in chariots, and they ride on. Yeah, it's. You can see Brent's face right now, audience. It's fantastic. Uh, I'm googling like a mad person. If you don't know, I. They hooked uh, themselves together like a chariot and like they put yeah. saddles on and then other yeah, people yeah. get on and, and ride them. They put bits in their mouths. And let in public. Let their partner ride them. And in public. Yeah. In public. It's, yeah. Now, I, it goes back to the primal thing of it lets me go back to something. Yeah, nope. I guess so. You know. I don't know if this is not picking off my rider, I'm guessing. Like, <laughs> kind of your mind sort of thing. Yeah. Just. That's just another way it's done. I I don't know. I think that we all Brent, can you see this now? Yeah, let me see. Anyways, uh for me. Uh yeah, and I got the horse heads on. I think that a lot of people feel like in everyday life we're all role playing to a certain extent. That is true. Like you said, like you you can't do what you want to do. And I I think there's a part of me that really admires people who can go out and and do these things. Like I have Googled this pony play and you're right. Like it's, there are people and it's full on in, in a parade. And I think that there's something kind of admirable in being able to just like rid yourself of like, well, society thinks this is weird and I'm just going to do this because this feels true to myself. That you're right. There's part of me that, 
that that admires that. And I'm like, well, maybe that's how they get the courage because, uh, you know, in the dog play, in the ponies play, I think maybe a part of a part of it for some of them, they have their faces are more visible. But for other people, you know, your face is covered. So I think it's a way to sort of be daring and yeah, but yet I, not yourself. I feel like that. I mean, that that's really true. Like you know, there there is an admirable quality to people who they accept something as themselves in totality, and like that's them. There's there's no deviance. There's no question about it, and they go ahead and <laughs> absorb themselves into that lifestyle. And um, this is what I like. Yeah, they haven't. Yeah, exactly. They have no qualms about it. You know, you you, you don't like it. Well, whatever. You know, you do. You know, well, come join. Come you know, <laughs> come ride me or you know whatever it may be. Even with larping, even with larping, it's it's very interesting in that regard because you know I get up in some some stupid fucking costumes and swing. Mm-hmm. You know. Plumbing supplies around and fight dudes in other stupid costumes. Yeah. But I am still not, like, after eight years and, like, devoting an ungodly amount of effort to it, I still don't really like it when some randos are around. Mm. Like, if you're at a certain site where other campsites can see what you're doing, yeah. it still makes me a little uncomfortable. And it's like, well, I guess I'm not as comfortable in myself as these people are. I, does it Does it make you feel like those random people there are, like, kind of maybe breaking the 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 environment the bubble the the the, the fantasy that's environment that's going on at the moment it like maybe makes you it. yeah it, it makes also you think like hmm. screaming, uh, gay at us a bunch like well occasionally <laughs> really ruin things i have did not lark for eight years mm-hmm. i think i only larked for like five or whatever but for me when there would be the occasional uh sort of outsider that would come in I don't think that I felt as weird about it. Um, like I played Legends back in the day, and they had like a public broadcasting, you know, network came out and did a, mm-hmm. a piece. But then these students came out and they did a piece, and that never felt weird to me. Like I, I didn't feel weird about it personally because I was like, you know, this is a fun little hobby. It's you know playing make believe, whatever. But I could see if I were. You know, if I, you know, I wore pretty dresses and nice costumes a lot of the time. So I, I, I don't know. For me, it was it was more like a theater. Like if someone had stopped by my improv group or whatever and was mm-hmm. like, "Hey, what are you doing?" Like that's how I felt about it. I might have felt a little different if I had been like some terrible goblin makeup or some. You know what I mean? Like when I did, uh, when I went ahead and did it, I did it. Um, it I, I didn't go like consistently. I went like maybe three times, I think I want to say. And um, anytime I went, I, I, you know, I, I did the whole monstering thing and if monstering is you dress up as like an NPC enemy that the other characters go ahead and fight. And, um, I, I love the experience. I, I love the experience. I remember that, um, where were we at? It was a larger campsite that had like a lake or something. Um, A.H. Stevens? I guess so. Or Maybe that was it. it was the one where they had, no, it was the one where they had like the individual cabins spread out across the area. Yeah, yeah that's a lot of them. It's either A.H. Stevens oh, or Hard Labor. Hard Labor. I think that's what it was called, like Hard, hard Labor. labor. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What a, oh my God, that place is Spider Town. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, you want to know a messed up story? So <laughs> the first time I went out there and did it, and uh, I came back, and um, let's see, I was like, I think I was sophomore at CSU 
at the university. And uh, I remember sitting in a uh, class. I, don't, I forget what class it was, but it was in the uh, Arnold building. And somebody behind me goes, hey, man, what happened to your hair? And I go like, and I turn around and I look at this guy. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, dude, you have like this huge bald spot in the back of your head. I was like, what? So immediately I get up and I leave. I rush all the way back to my dormitory and I'm looking around and I can't find a mirror. So then I go to a gas station. I pick up one of those double-sided mirrors, come back to my dorm. And I'm like, so I have this mirror and I'm angling it. I'm trying to see the back of my head. And then I have this massive, like, what was it? It was like maybe a golf ball size spot. And I'm back in my head. I was like, what the hell is this? So... Couldn't figure it out. And um, then, so, you know, I just let it ride, right? I was like, I don't know, maybe something happened while I was on. I got bit by a bug or something like that. And uh, a couple days later, um, you know, I'm, I'm in a shower and I'm showering and stuff. And I see, like, you know, my head is, like, itching. And where I scratch it, like, some of my hair is coming out. I was like, oh, my God. I was like, what the fuck is going on? So I go ahead and I go down to the, um, the, the little clinic that they had. In oh that God. building, I think, where the police station and stuff was at, right? Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I go down there, and I and I get an appointment. I was like, my, my hair's falling out. I don't know what. And, uh, you know, this dog down there is like, okay, we'll go ahead and check it out. We'll go ahead and take some, you know, blood samples and stuff. We'll look at it. And I'm like, well, can you do anything now? And he's like, no. And he's like, you know, we have to go ahead and wait till we get some tests back. I was like, well, what the hell do you do? He's like, you can shave your head bald. You can wear a hat. So, you know. <laughs> So there was like a good week in time where, you know, I was very self-conscious that I just didn't come out because my hair was falling out and I was like bald and stuff. And I skipped my classes. I just stayed inside. You know, you get online, man, you start looking around. You're like, what the hell happened? You know, I was, I thought I had, I thought I had like Rocky Mountain spotted fever and shit. And like I was dying and stuff. And I was, (laughs) I was in this bad space about it. So I get a call finally and I come down and it was like, so you, you said you went camping and stuff. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I got like bit by a tick or something. He's like, no, no, no. Actually, pine trees have this fungus where if you go ahead and you can rub up against it, it can get under your skin. And he was like, that fungus is growing under your skin and, and has hair loss. It's this type of fungus. And I was like, whoa. So I've he gave it. me, huh? I've had it. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. So, you know, he gave me these massive green pills I had to take, man. They're like the size of like an M&M, you know, a peanut M&M. It was like huge. And I had to take that for a couple of weeks and it cleared it up. But, you know, I had to wait for my hair and stuff to grow back. I had the same thing on my wrist, on my yeah. right wrist. And mm-hmm. I thought it had been like, and I got it from a tick bite, but it was definitely a fungus, the fun- that exact fungus. Yeah. Which, you know, fucking ticks. But like, I thought I, it was showing like a ring. Oh, uh, yeah. That's a scary one. So yeah. I thought it was way worse than it was. And it just puffed up, and it was it was bad news, man. I've hurt myself and gotten bitten in, in weird ways doing doing this hobby. Both my ankles. Yeah, uh, that's a workout too, man. Being out there running around, dude. That's like your monster. When I was monster, I was like, that's that's a killer workout. Yeah, you want to go ahead and get in shape and stuff. Run around out there for like you know back and forth, back and forth, back and forth throughout that campsite. You know, swinging boffer weapons. It was fun. I I, I liked it because. Um, to me, it was like a beautiful campsite, you know, it was out, to me, it was like, you know, out in nature and stuff, and, and uh, I, I just like being out in that environment and stuff. That was, that was really, that was really cool. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, occasionally I bring, I bring up LARPing when, you know, and most people are like, most people, it's getting bigger. Most people like know what it means. I'm like, you know what a LARP is? I'm like, yeah, 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 it's a live action role playing, right? And I'm like, oh, wow. Thanks, okay. Paul Rudd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I think. A lot of people remember that uh, video with the 
Yeah. LARPers who were doing the what, what was the fireball, lightning bolt, something like that. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so a lot of times when I would talk about LARPing or if I bring it up now, I have to be like, okay, but it's not quite like the movie and it's not quite like that video, mm. but, it, <laughs> and, and that's why I think I can empathize with some of the, like, if, if you're taking like a, 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 a weekend or whatever to do the puppy play or mm-hmm. a couple hours, like I, this is where I'm like, okay, I get it. Because it is nice to be able to get out of yourself and to be someone else and to think, to, to just not deal with your problems. This is something that I, I would use it to sell people. Like, it's a nice way to just not be you for a weekend. Yeah. But the problem is, and um, I, Legends wasn't really the type of crowd to do this, but I had seen other, like, smaller LARPs that no longer exist, uh, especially ones with, like, younger... And I hate to say it, but generally more like they haven't had to figure out their mental health things because they, they had the parachute of, you know, they, they have different parachutes. Mm-hmm. And you'd have people who would role play constantly on the forums and you'd have people who would take the LARPing experience from their weekend and then they'd bring it. This is something that I don't have firsthand experience of, but I had heard. You know, oh, they bring, they, they bring a LARP like, drama into real life? That's what happens? Well, okay, LARP drama... LARP drama being brought into real life is unavoidable, no matter no matter what. No, I'd lurk. I'd be I'd be out there lurking on social media sometimes, like like oh, there's some LARP drama going on here. I don't know what they're talking about, but they they be alluding to stuff and people, and I'm like, dang. I can tell you about it later if you want. I won't say it on air. <laughs> All right. That's fair. Yeah, uh, don't say yeah. But, no, no blasting people on the air. But <laughs> one of the reasons why I stopped LARPing is because it stopped being fun for me. Because mm-hmm. I was a member of this group, and then a bunch of people left, and I became the leader of the group. And I had been, you know, I was youngest, both like I was the youngest, and also I had been in the group the least amount of time. But really, if you looked at it objectively, like there was no way anyone besides my character was going to be the leader of this group. Mm. And, uh, like, it just got, it got stressful. And it was like, I, I am having to put way too much work in this hobby that's fun. Yeah, but, yeah. But, so, so LARP drama being brought into your life, because you, you, you only have so much time during the weekend to, to handle things. You have to do things off of, you know, off site. Mm-hmm. But the problem is where you're like, I'm going to live my life as this person all the time. Or you're... You know, it's like a daydream. Like, mm. I I am a daydreamer. I daydream a lot, and it helps me cope. But at a certain point, I have to say to myself, okay, are you daydreaming a little too much? Like, can you focus on your daily life? Can you do the things you need to do? Can you have a relationship? Like, can you deal with people in the real world the way that you, you are <laughs> dealing with your own internal, yeah. like, oh, what if I were able to not live in rural Kansas right now? <laughs> Yeah, you know what I mean. Like you have to be able to accept the reality of your day to day, and to be able to deal with things. Because I knew people who would not pay their bills and who would not do things in the real world mm. because they were like, you know what? Instead of having to deal with this problem that I'm having, I could just 
deal with this other person's problem instead. Uh, okay. Yeah, they're not, um, you know, they're they're investing in um, something not really that important or a fantasy type of environment or something. They're going ahead and putting their money and they're sinking their stuff into that. You know, but I, I think that, you know, I mean, that's all part of growing up. I, you know, I, I think that um, there's, there's, I don't know, there's so much money I've wasted on on stuff <laughs> in the past that just has absolutely impact on my life now. Yeah, you know, I mean, there's, I mean, there, there's been bills in the past that I didn't pay in order to, you know, take that money and do something else that was completely inconsequential, you know, and uh, you really only learn until, you know, you, you're, you're put in a situation where you, you do that and then really bad things happen. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, but, uh, you know, but there are people, it's not just, I think when it becomes a problem is when it's not just, you know, growing up because I know people who are older who will spend all their money on like let's say concert tickets like and it's like but are you living your life hey when can i go to my next concert you know i knew this guy back when i was in csu uh i didn't know him that long but i think i may have met him at that smokers gazebo and um oh god this and uh about. yeah you know i know that's that's uh, a. <laughs> Uh, some man. deep cut shit if you're not a CSU student from Columbus, yeah, Georgia. Yeah. But you know, whatever. <laughs> that was a certain that was a certain error. You know, you'll never see that error again. You know, that's it was uh, a certain time. Yeah, exactly. Um but anyway, this guy was into um I was just getting into you know, a lot of the um tabletop gaming, Dungeons and Dragons and things like that. And this was like, Yeah, man, I play and stuff like you should come over to my place sometime and um, you know, you I have all the books and everything, I have the maps, go ahead and play. So um I went over there with a couple other people, um, and <laughs> and I get to this guy's house, and it's a wreck. Like this guy was living in something that <laughs> you, almost indistinguishable, I think, from like like a meth house or a drug house or a trap. Man, it was. I was like, whoa! And um, he had and he had a couple kids, and two, you know, and like these kids, these weren't like you know preteens where they can kind of handle themselves or like maybe very yeah. very young where they just sleep you know these are like three four year olds and uh <laughs> and we got there and he was like go to your room he like just screamed out, go to your room now and he just like they ran into the room like they were scared of it and like locked him in the room he locked him in the room so we can play this game <laughs> i think i know who you're talking I think I know who you're talking about um he went to one of the larps one time i'll tell you that much um I forget this guy's name, but um, I'm not gonna go ahead. I know who you're talking about. Yeah, but um, yeah, was kicked out of a LARP or two that I know of. (laughs) Yeah, he yeah, but anyway though, he like you know it was it was it was obvious that (laughs) this dude was not handling his shit, and um, you know, he was a lot more invested in us playing a tabletop game than maybe uh cleaning up his place or treating his kids a little bit better you know but uh but yeah you know there's still some there's some grown-ass adults out there acting like kids you know i see it all the time to bring it back to the pup play that's where i was a little concerned about the person in the video because it it seemed like he was able to function enough to hold down a real job and he didn't have kids you know so that was fine yeah here's an interesting question what do you what do you would think if that guy had kids what if he had two kids I would have had more issue with it because really? I think I, I I would have it. 
here's the, because of the way he did it, right? Like the way he talked about it, it was like he did it when he was not at work. Yeah, there was a creepy part of the video where he's like staring in a mirror at himself, and he's like, you know, I've, you know, this is my headspace, and I feel good. Everything goes away. It's 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 magic. He's like just um, staring himself down with it, and it's like you know, this is really in, you know kind of intimate moment uh, where he's like really trying to confirm to himself his belief in this pup play, you know. But anyway, yeah. I, in one of the things I read, one of the guys had a fiance that he broke up with. And yeah, yeah. He found a new partner. That's not so much like it being damaged to your adult relationships is not as important to me mm-hmm. as it being damaging to a child. Because, but if it's okay, but if it's okay, if 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 we all agree here that you know this is a coping mechanism that's fine, it's not hurting anybody, then you know, I mean, what, what what's the difference here? Why, but, you know? See, again, it comes down to, are you handling your responsibilities? For me, he, if if you do it every waking, like, if you sleep in this crate, if you do all this, it will have an impact on, on a child, if there's a child in that situation. What if he's making, well, what if he's making money, you know, he pays for the house and everything, he has himself a job, but, um, you know. He lives in a house with another guy who's his handler, and maybe, you know, once a month or so, he dresses up in a dog costume, and for that entire day, he decides to be a dog, and he has a couple kids. Yeah, I have no problem with, if it's like, you know, once a day, you are just... Hmm? Send the kids to grandma's, that's what you do. Yeah, I have no problem with that. What I'm talking about is his... Why wouldn't you want kids to see that, though? And I don't necessarily even care if kids... On their own? Like, they don't even know what real, what actual, like, coping, they don't know why they need to cope with things, and they don't understand what sex is, so maybe wait till they're older to... Well, I'm not saying that sex is involved, you know, I'm just saying that that's what he does for an entire day. He just dresses up as a dog, and his handler feeds him, and, and you know, and pets him on the head and stuff. Why would you not want yeah, the kids around? I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily have a problem with that if you can help your kids, pro- if your kids are old enough to be able to process, and I think people don't give kids enough... Uh, credit because I worked at a daycare for a while. Mm. Kids are able to process more than we give them credit for earlier yeah. than we give them credit for. Mm-hmm. But what what I'm talking about, like I have no problem if it's like once, you know, even if it's like one day a week, one day a week or whatever. What I have an issue with, whether you have kids or don't have kids, especially if you have kids, mm-hmm. is if it's like every free moment you have that you're not working, you are this dog. You are not. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's where I take issue. Well, yeah, you're not handling your other responsibilities. You know, when it when it crosses a line to where you know it's 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 uh, you're not teaching your kids that there's other things besides pup play in the world. You know, then that that that's an issue. I don't know how I feel about kids being around it at all. I don't know how I feel about that. You know, it's, it's like you're a balanced adult at that point if you're not taking care of your responsibilities. Like, yeah, if you're doing this sort of thing and you're you know taking care of business, if the bills are paid, food's on the table. And everyone has, you know, up-to-date clothing and whatnot. But this is something you do. You're presenting a, a person who has their shit together, mm-hmm. which I think is actually more important than literally anything else. Is you know presenting that you have your shit together because that that's a good that's a mm. good thing for to see. But. Yeah, you know, yeah, I, I I agree with that. I agree with that sentiment. All right, for this last uh, like twenty minutes here, um, you guys, tell me about uh, what you're watching out there. What do you like that's on TV? I just watched Stranger Things season two all the way through. All the way through? Review? Out of ten? What is it? Oh, um, I'd give it a nine out of ten. Oh, yeah. It's that good? How does it measure up to season one? Same. Same good. 
Um, there's going to be a part where they where they're going to say the series jumped the shark. Mm-hmm. They're wrong. Uh, they're incorrect in in that assessment. And I and you'll under, if you see it, you'll understand exactly why someone would say it. But they're wrong because it's just as eighties tastic as anything else that happens in that show. It's just a different type of eighties tastic. Gotcha. How about you, Ben? What are you watching, man? Uh, Mine Hunters. Yeah, what is that about? It's about the uh, beginning of the FBI profiling uh, program, the BAU, mm-hmm. in uh, in the uh, early sixties and seventies, and the it begins with them talking to Edward Kemper. Basically, the idea being is they wanted to <clears throat> create a profile or a program where they could go in and talk to. Uh, criminals mm-hmm. and they just happen to start talking to serial killers will be the ones that they wanted to talk to so they talked to guys like richard speck edward uh ed kemper so this is a documentary series no uh a guy named uh it's based on a book by an actual oh. by a guy who okay. actually started the vau mm-hmm. at the fbi and it's a netflix series so it's 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 a, it's a drama it's based docu-drama. on docudrama. Yeah, docudrama. Well, it's, it's incredibly good. It's really good. <laughs> How about you, Sam? What are you doing? What are you watching? Okay. Well, I alluded to this earlier, but really my life has been destroyed by K-pop. So I have been watching a lot of K-pop videos. I did, mm. however, this weekend. Like, there's. I'm just going to say, for anyone who has not even like dipped a toe or even seen a, a fraction of it there is so much content the way korean idols are versus like american music groups it's it's insane there's so much out there i feel uh, like um, i feel like korean uh, entertainment is like a decade or two behind america i feel like they're like in the 90s over there man like they got the boy bands they got the uh you know the uh t- talent shows going on and i and, yeah. another thing about korean culture too is that they have a lot of um, soap operas. Like, yeah, soap operas yeah. is a is uh, a big thing. It's funny because I I have seen people say stuff like, "Oh, well, this is getting too westernized" or something, and I just want to be like, "You guys realize, like, if you go back and you look at like how to I can't pronounce names confidently, mm-hmm. but anyways, there's uh, one of the people they call like the father of K-pop." He was like, if you listen to him, like it just makes me think of Cypress Hill, and you know, you look at these other groups, and it's like, oh, I can see like the Insync, Backstreet Boys, you know, even New Kids, like influence. I don't know that it's necessarily a decade behind, but like it's it's definitely interesting. They have a lot of variety like, shows too, like we used to have in the nineties, yeah. where people walk around on the street and like prank people, or you know. Yeah sort of a note on this because this came up in my po- my other podcast polyhedron change mm-hmm. plug um where we talk a lot about role-playing games and i think what we're talking about here is actually a similar thing uh, to that because in japan and you know korea and all that role to tabletop role-playing games are a very different animal like they sort of started with dungeons and dragons and all that but really um you know how in the original D&D sets and all that stuff, you have pre-generated characters and pre-generated everything? It's pre-generated everything? Mm-hmm. Apparently, in in Asian countries, that is like still the kind of the standard thing they do. So they take it to the nth degree, like, 
a pre-generation and you're a character, you're role-playing this character, you're given a personality profile and that's it. Mm. I think what we're seeing is just that same instinct of they took American pop and just did it as hard as they could. <laughs> yeah. They just did it just so hard. But and, it, and it's become like this whole other, it, you could, we could have a whole segment on it. But uh, I did want to mention, I just finished watching Thinking on Bitcoin on mm-hmm. Netflix, and I watched it, and I feel like I know less about Bitcoin than when I started, because it's just such a, like, it's just something I, I don't think I can really wrap my head around. Like, I get the idea, like, the basic premise of why you would want Bitcoin, but, like, a lot of the stuff that has happened in it, like, is just sort of, I don't know, it's just something I can't wrap my head around. For some reason, it's weird. It's useful, but it's weird. Yeah, I mean, um, it's um, and they keep coming up with like derivatives of uh, like these yes. different coins, you know, and, and yeah, the newest coin that, that that that's out there, and um, you know, the, the the these coins seem to have like a short shelf life, you know, comparatively, uh, you know, I mean, there's a standard quote unquote Bitcoin, but you know, there's all these other types and. You know, while it's hot, it's hot. You get one, you can flip it and get some real cash out of it. You can get a lot of money more, you know, but they, they, when they plunge, man, it's like, it's done. It's done. One right? of, yeah. It's a market crash. Yeah. yeah. But one of the, and, and the funny thing is like a part of the motivation was to prevent stuff like that from happening. Mm-hmm. But instead, like that is exactly what happened. Like they, they talked, uh, there were these people and they talked to their son or someone on the phone and they asked him if he had Bitcoin, and he said he lost about 90%. Like, he, he mm, has dang. everything that he got, but he lost 90%. But the the thing is, how, you you know, where can you spend this? So it's not like a practical thing for yeah. someone like right me now, who lives in a, a rural area. There are uh, certain places you can spend it, for sure. Well, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dark we, we web. get into the silver. <laughs> but I, I think... That's like the other issue. The other barrier is that you you're putting this money into something that's not sure, and it's like when my grandfather when they left Vietnam, my grandfather didn't understand that the U.S. government would would actually have given him something for his uh, South Vietnamese money. So mm. he was just like, "This is basically useless." But it's Anytime a government collapses, you know, the, the paper money that you have, it's it's useless. It yeah. means nothing. It happened in Iraq. Their their currency was yeah. nothing after uh, <clears throat> the original surge. Yeah. Yeah, it all comes back to hard goods, man. You know, what you got, you know. I mean, you know, I need I need water, what you need, gas, you know. It all comes yeah. back to the, 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 the barter system. You know, um, yeah, I mean, Bitcoins, I guess, um, they're, they're, they're awesome if you're into the, you know, you're into the dark web, you're into the, you know, <laughs> buying, um, you know, some, some interesting and unique goods for very specific purposes, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, um, you know, you, you know how to go ahead and navigate those spaces. It's, um, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, super, super complicated, man. Um, you know, I just got done watching. Um, I'm so far behind. Like, I was keeping up with all these different shows and stuff. But after Game of Thrones got off TV, man, I just dropped it. I started doing the podcast thing. I started working on all these other projects and stuff. And, like, I haven't been watching anything. Yeah, yeah. And I, uh, 
So last night, I. No, I mean <laughs> yeah. it's work keeping up. It's work keeping up with television. Yeah, man, that's oh, what yeah. I meant. There's so much good shit on, dude, and you know how Netflix is. Like you get 15 seconds before you know the next episode starts. So before you know it, you're up to like 5 a.m. You're like, damn, I can't believe. It. I mean, it was good, but I can't believe I <laughs> I, I wasted so much time. Rock, but that was cool. Yeah. So I sat up and I watched the whole second half of um season seven of The Walking Dead. Because um, I kind of hopped off the bandwagon for a while because things were moving so slow and the, the drama felt kind of forced and um, a little bit, you know, lackluster and stuff. So last night I watched like eight episodes, eight hours. That's like eight hours gone. Gone. That's what's amazing is like when you get done binge watching something, you're like, man, you check the clock and you're like, damn, I've been doing this for literally like 10 hours. You gotta do it these days. Like that's kind of, that that's millennial shit right there. Yeah. Man. It's like, hey, I'm gonna carve out this amount of time, because I got other shit I gotta do. That is true. That is true. Is is is, is yeah? Is ten hours in one setting any different than an hour a day across two weeks? You know, you know. Well, it depends on how much sleep you lose. Yeah. And, and we will, and that's the, and that's where it gets a little unhealthy because, like, well, I guess I just get four hours of sleep tonight. That is true. And like, what do you have to show for it at the end of the day? You know, you had a good time, but it, you know, it all it all evaporates. Like, I, I watched when I first heard of uh, House of Cards. You know, I was like uh, a couple seasons behind, so I, I watched all of it, dude. I spent an entire day, an entire day, blinds no closed in my rooms. You know, just watching episode after episode after episode. Like, only time I stopped was to go to the. I was like a zombie. I was just like sucked <laughs> in to the That's drama a- and like. It was fun and all, but like I got nothing done at all. There was like so much I, I could wash clothes, you know. I could have done a whole bunch of other things and do didn't do anything. You, you could have put on a dog suit. <laughs> I could have. I, I could have got into pup right. play. You know. Important question: yeah. Have you had a very very interesting conversation about House of Cards with another person who likes it as much as you have? Oh uh, yeah, uh, a little bit. Time will spend. Huh. That if you can have a yeah, one really, yeah. really good conversation, that is true. Something, I measure, I measure it in quality of conversation here and there. Like that's yeah. that's usually how I do it. Yeah, that is true. You can find somebody you can go ahead and you know go ahead and vibe with if you you know yeah. seen the same show and and things like that. I've been more interested in documentaries and stuff lately. I don't know if you guys, I every podcast I bring this dude up. So hopefully somebody <laughs> out there who's listening to this should have looked him up by now. But Adam Curtis, he's a famous BBC documentarian um he has a whole bunch of amazing documentaries out there one of the ones he just came out with in 2016 is hypernormalization go watch it it is uh, about three hours long it is um super duper good it's amazingly good it's like it, you'll be hooked you'll be watching all those other ones I almost guarantee it I, I tried to start watching i like documentaries quite a lot i tried to start watching ken burns's the Vietnam War. I did appreciate, I mm-hmm. want to say, if you go to the PBS app, they do have it available in Vietnamese, which I was like, that is really cool because potentially, he's probably not going to, but potentially like my grandfather would be able to watch it. Uh-huh. But yeah. uh, I started watching the Vietnam War and it's one of those things where I kind of just, I don't know, it's it's a little too close to home maybe. I don't yeah, I don't know, but yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't finish it. But it's another one of those things like, you lose so much time to it and there's so much out there like that you could be doing that I was like, I can't, first of all, it's not something that I could have ever binged there because mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's heavy stuff. It's war. It's yeah. politics. It's, but 
uh, I don't know. I, I think that it's the, the whole binging thing. It's, it is an it is that escape, and it's like at what at what point do you need to tell yourself, hey, I need to stop this and walk away, and are you capable of doing it? Because part nope. of the nope. way they nope. part of the way they make television is that binge, like they make it. Like it's just changing yeah. the television industry, dude. Yeah, like the movies. The movie game is over with. The movie game is over with. I have I have yet to see a movie as interesting as like you know a, a thirteen part long series on on Netflix. It's like it's like the demand is so different now. I go to see a movie like I saw Blade Runner twenty forty nine, and you really saw that, Brent. Hmm. You really went and saw Blade Runner. Yeah, man. You I spent money. I know. I'm ashamed of myself. Actually, it was not worth the money. It was like I was like I was, I was telling somebody else if that was a ten part series on Netflix, I probably would have enjoyed it better because they would be able to get yeah. into the different characters. Um, you know, they would have been get able able to get into the mythology more. There would have been the depth there enough for me to care about these characters. But it being like a three hour movie, it, I, I I felt like. There was no depth there. It was really just a whole bunch of flashy CGI later layered on um, a, a lukewarm plot. Man, that's the problem with movies today. Is that all movies? Well, how do you feel about Star Wars stuff coming out? I feel the same way about Star Wars. I think that um, the look Rogue One was amazing. I love that movie. But okay. the but uh, a, a I'm New going Hope. To the dissenting voice. What? No, no, I would never watch. <laughs> but it was amazing. It was really good. The plot was done well. When they can do, when movies can do it well, they they they, they do it well. Not all movies are is how I'm, I'm characterizing it. I guess Rogue One had a a plot that mo- didn't move too fast, but um, it moved fast enough, and um, the scenario was all like encapsulated in this one movie. They didn't need like five different parts to go ahead and explain it. You kind of felt like where it was going. The action and the energy and the characters were, were exciting. It was a really well done movie. And um, who, who directed that? Was that Christopher Nolan? Did he do that one? No. no. Probably somebody else. No. no. Christopher Nolan did it. All the characters have been like no. moody no. and have mental issues and stuff. There was subtlety in that movie. So no. Well, <laughs> yeah. There was subtlety in there was subtlety in the dark. Yeah, you know what, Nolan? Okay, he can do subtlety. That's fair. Sometimes, but, you know, yeah. Thinking. Yeah. But um, Rogue One it was, was, was amazing. By, it was directed by Gareth Edwards. Is his Gareth Edwards. Well, he needs to do another one because uh, he was solid in that. He did this he genre did, a good service. He did Godzilla, the 2014 Godzilla. Oh, wow. So he, he <laughs> this man was like, I need to redeem myself. <laughs> I, I, I need a win. I need a real strong win on this one. He, 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 I'm done otherwise. <laughs> did right? y'all see King Kong when it came out? The one with Samuel Jackson? With Samuel, no. uh, with the Brian Cranston in it? Was that, yeah. was, yeah. No. no, 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 I'm sorry. He was in a Godzilla. Um, uh, no, I did not see the new King Kong. No. No. I'm not a big monster franchise person. John Goodman. John Goodman. Now, that dude's a good actor, though. That dude's a, a lot of great actors. He's an amazing movie. actor. Uh, like Cloverfield Lane, whatever the name of that full name of that movie. Did you guys see that? Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, yeah. That was that was an amazing movie. He was an amazing actor in it. But uh, but uh, uh Star Wars: A New Hope, though. Really quick, I, I was not a big fan. I, it wasn't a bad movie, but you can tell like it only 
it, it was complete duplicate of the original, and maybe that's you, what fans wanted. Are you talking about a four? Oh, yeah, sorry, He's whatever, dude. <laughs> they, I mean, well, I mean that that, that, some, that sums up his feelings on it right there. Exactly, yeah. right? Exactly, exactly. I disagree, but I understand yeah. how you can say that. I, I understand why they did what they did, mm-hmm. and, I, and there are certain aspects of it that I thought, you know, weren't perfect. But at the end of the day, I still thought it was just a shit ton of fun. And it was a was fun really- movie. It wasn't a bad movie. It wasn't a bad movie. It was just, um, it, it, to me, it was like, it's just nothing, it wasn't much to watch. It just is like, it's like, all this has been done before. There's a lot of cameos. You can tell the movie was created for its fan base, which is fine, which is completely fine, you know? And, um, but, you know, I like Star Wars, but I'm also, I'm not like in the, the, the fanboy category, you know? I'm not like, I don't know all the characters. I don't have the novels. Well, and another thing too, Harrison Ford, man, Harrison Ford has stopped acting. Dude does not act anymore. He literally shows up on set and he literally uh-huh. is just a crass asshole and then walks off, which works They're for him. Out with another Indiana Jones, you know that, Brent. Oh. See, yeah. now I'm on the opposite side of the spectrum on this one. Indiana Jones is probably one of my favorite movie series. I even like the one with the aliens. I thought Thank that was a good you. one. Thank you, Brent. Yeah, I thought I thought I thought it was classic I, well, Indiana Jones. What do you think about uh, Star Trek, the the new Star Trek they're doing, the series? I have not watched oh, yet. You mean Star Wars, the Star Trek? Like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, if Star Wars: The Force Awakens gave us nothing, it gave me John Boyega, and I will appreciate that for the rest of my life. Man, he's going to be in a Pacific Rim too. I saw the trailer for it. And I'm I don't know, I'm a hard critic these days. I don't know what happened to me, but it doesn't look like it's going to be that. It looks like it, it looks like an act. It looks like what I loved about the first Pacific Rim it was like the acting was done really well. You know, it's this mythology behind it that was pretty cool. Yeah. You know, like this like alternate dimension where these aliens were learning and trying to come through. It looked like the second one they turned it into a Transformers, right? Where it's yeah. like this amazing action with these huge machines, and you know, I guess that's that's all right. But um, I don't know. Maybe I felt like the original had more would have more depth but movie i'm looking forward to and i I'm, I'm really like fingers crossed that it's awesome is bright with will smith oh isn't it the netflix movie yeah it's the shadow run movie yeah right? yeah yeah with the alien hit him in a police car yeah i thought that was a series i thought that was like a, a netflix tv series no. so that's actually a it's show a movie it's a movie you, you were talking about movies versus series i think one of the big things is that People, it's it's much easier to take a risk on a series on Netflix, for example, or whatever, because you can do it in the comfort of your home. Mm. If you didn't like it, you can stop it, and you didn't really waste your money because you're paying the subscription service anyways, or someone else's, and you're borrowing their password. But, you know, a movie, it's this whole ordeal. Like, you have to leave your house, you have to go to the theater, you have to potentially buy the snacks, and blah, 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 and... If you didn't like it, you feel the obligation of like, oh, now I've got to sit through this. Yeah, and yeah. that's why movies and, are going away. That's why that's why the movie industry is dying. It's like um, I think that eventually the movie industry will. This we're talking about way in the future. I don't know. Give it fifteen years or something like that. Movie industry will start streaming their stuff. They'll they'll yeah. they're going to build streaming platforms because we know They've what. Already, yeah, Disney pulled all of their stuff off of Netflix. And they're creating their own streaming platforms, and they're going to start but, creating their own movies on their own streaming platform. And uh, you know, that's what they already created theirs on View, I think, for for PlayStation. So I mean, they're all trying to get their own like slice of it: HBO, Showtime. Yeah, they've already they've already like for a number of years there have been movies that you can watch on demand 
as they're in the theater mm-hmm. and they're they're they've been talking about doing this where it's like instead of having to go to the theater you can stream movies in your home yep. they've already talked about it so <laughs> i don't even think it's going to be 15 years like i i feel part we're of me feels bad there. for the yeah we're almost there i think so too yeah Okay, part of me feels for the theater industry. Uh, one of my friend's aunts worked for Carmike Cinemas, which uh, was based out of Columbus, Georgia, but it was bought by AMC. And, you know, you have a lot of these small theater chains going out of business. And I, I feel for the people who are trying to have theaters. But at the same time, like, that's just a product of the time and the technology that we live in. Like the industry... The industry itself is responsible for that industry's death and the difficulties of the theaters that present those movies. It doesn't take much research to find out that movie theaters get absolutely, you know, screwed yeah. every movie. Like, it doesn't make them jack shit. They're on the thinnest margin possible. Mm-hmm. And they're still, and now movie companies are still insistent on releasing a $25 to $30 Blu-ray uh, <laughs> a week after the movie comes out. And it's like, who's buying Blu-rays? Yeah, who is buying that? Who's buying the Blu-rays anymore? You're buying Blu-rays? You're stuck in 2010. You need to go ahead and fast forward. I don't don't always buy the Blu-ray, but there are times when I... Look, I have physical albums, and that's part of K-pop, but whatever. I have physical albums. I have physical, like, discs. If it's some, if it's something that I really like, mm-hmm. I I'm just like I I like the idea of having this thing, and I don't know. There, it's kind of like people who are very resistant. I have an e-reader because I live in the middle of nowhere, so my access to a bookstore is not the same as it would be for you guys. But there are people who still like physical books, even though you can have millions of books on one device. You do. Graduate school reading now makes me like sleepy and weird. Mm. But actually, reading text on a page damaged me, or it damages me because of how hard grad school was and how much paper I had to read. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Don't go to grad school, kids. It's terrible for you. But with with a lot of these, a lot of these discs, you get a code to get the digital movie. And now that uh, Disney Movies Anywhere has become Movies Anywhere, like I, I think that it's going to move into that but so i have access streaming to a lot of the movies that i have like the physical disc for but it's just it's nice to be able to say i have this thing in my hand the price tag that bugs me i always buy them either like when they are first released and they're like on sale or after they've been out for a while and the price goes down man i don't i don't I don't own shit. <laughs> I, don't, I got a PS4, and actually, like when I got this job, I bought and I got a PS4 with my store credit at Second and Charles, and I've actually purchased like physical PS4 games. Oh, the best they're a year and a half old and cost me twenty bucks. You know what? I'm going to say this about video games. Video games are like <clears throat> they're becoming like a new movie platform. I don't have time to play oh, video games oh. a lot. I don't have time at all. Really, you know, I'm doing so much other stuff. But um, I'll watch a Let's Play, and you know, yeah, and they're amazing. They're like some of these games are like they're they're freaking movies. One one type of uh, game that lends itself very well to movies is horror games. Horror right. games are so much more frightening and so much more engrossing, I think, than horror movies. Like, have you caught any of the Evil Within? Like, I'm, dude, I'm going through um Evil Within two right now. I'm like I'm like almost to the end of it. They have uh, 
uh, 3D games now where you can go to the top of Mount Everest and yeah. uh, and where you can get on uh, an Apollo mission. Mm. I mean, these are crazy. Yeah, I would now, say that um, – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Continue, Ben. Thinking of the technology compared to, to where I was when I originally first started seeing what a game was like on the, like the Nintendo – you know, Dude, like, um, Ryan and Second and Charles, you know, going down there getting physical games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's almost a no go anymore. Nobody gets physical games anymore. That yeah. I'm with um um. Evil Within, what I like about that game is that, um, you know, it looks like the, the, the number two, the second game, they put a lot of more thought into the development of, like, the main character and, um, you know, their motivations and stuff. And that's what's engrossing about it is, like, time is not just being put into, like, jump scares. Time is actually being put into thinking about who these characters are you're playing with, all their surrounding counterpoints, and what's driving them and stuff. Like, they're, they're, they're putting a lot of time into creating a real narrative, something that's just not, like, um, you know, um, go get A. Even though, I mean, at the baseline of it, that's kind of what you're doing. You're running around, you're just grabbing stuff. But what they do well is they build tension and they yeah. produce thread. And that is how horror works. Like, that's yeah. good horror. Like, um, Resident Evil, the newest one, 7. I watched oh that God. Let's Play. And that was, that was like the, the first half of the game before they got to like, the, they got into the umbrella stuff on the boat. The, the first half of the game was like, was, was legitimately weirdly scary and terrifying. It was, um, it, it was done really, really well. If you're looking for a really good analysis of that game, by the way, mm-hmm. one of my favorite channels on YouTube is called Nightmine. Mm. And what this guy does is it's it's kind of documentary, but he takes like pieces of horror media. And this and this includes like the entirety of say like Marble Hornets, which is the ARG web series that birthed like the popularity of Slenderman. Mm. Takes all of that content and collates it into a narrative that is you can understand and can be explained to you and like points out the brick does the code breaking does all that crazy nonsense but he does really really in-depth analyses of horror me and it's it's very fun to watch also his voice is so i am very fascinated by the industry built around around this you know like all the twitch and Let's Plays, and I've watched a couple YouTube videos where people who used to do it on YouTube have talked about how they just can't make money off of it, and through YouTube, and YouTube has changed different regulations. YouTube be dicking folks, yeah. (laughs) It's fascinating to me that you can make money playing a game, and other people are willing to pay money to watch you play a game. Because as someone who data like I'm terrible at video games. I would play video games, but I'm just terrible. I die so much. Like I tried to play uh, Quantum of Solace on my uh, DS mm-hmm. and I died in the very introduction introduction, you know, when they teach you how to play the game. I died so many times. It's ridiculous. I'm terrible at games, okay? Yeah, there, there's I a whole watched, new occupation out there, like of content creators, right? Creators. Like it's a whole right. new like area where you can make they, money. They can become personalities and they become celebrities. Like my niece likes some group called like Game Game Grumps. What? Game Grumps. No. No, really. 
yeah, I don't know what it is, but she even has like a backpack from these people. Like, but oh. these people become celebrities in their own right. And rooster it's teeth. Just... No, nah, rooster teeth doesn't scream. Oh, like I don't know. one I heard of. Game theory. Game theory. Is that oh, someone? Game theory. Okay. Okay. So. That that might be it. Anyways, there's a lot of them that have game something or other. Mm-hmm. Anyways, uh, but these people become celebrities for basically just playing a game and commenting on it. And I think one of the things, and this this goes back to YouTube too, YouTube vloggers, you have a whole bunch of kids who think, oh, hey, I could do this and I could make money. And I am very curious to see where it goes in the next five years because you're going to have a lot of people who want to make a career and a living off of this and it's just not sustainable for all of them. You, have to be- well, you say it's not sustainable, but if you have a large group of people who want to do it, uh, that's technically how you make an industry out of it. Um, if there's a product to be so, you know, to be bought and sold. Well, the thing is, there's only so many eyes. Like, yeah. for example, the Game Grumps have, uh, that's another very popular one. They're one of the most popular ones on the internet. They have 4.2 million subscribers. Now, they have that number because not they don't just play games. They're a pair of them, and they're actually entertaining human beings to listen and talk to each other. Like, the games are kind of ancillary. They're just funny people, mm. which is actually where you live and die as a Let's Player, I, I believe. Unless you're entertaining to watch and listen to, yeah, that's... At a certain point, it's, it's like, how do you attract a new viewer? You, you have to do something. Well, many will know? play, but few will win. You know, that's what it comes down to. <laughs> oh, it's, absolutely. it's like, you know, many, it's a bottleneck, you know, I mean, many people go ahead and try to do it, but only those who actually have um, the unique concept or who have a concept that they do it better than somebody else who's doing it are going to be the people who's going to be making money. They'll be the people but with the Patreon accounts and stuff. It really does sound like a refit of the music industry. But even if you are good at it, how do you get someone to watch you, period? Oh, uh, you have to sell the shit out of yourself. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's a person who is, like I said, we do, I do another podcast, and we, our, our numbers, we have a very hard time, like, because we're just not, like, super awesome at marketing ourselves. Yeah. But, and, you know, I, I believe that after a year and a half and, like, almost 50 episodes, we're pretty damn good in our libraries. All right. Mm-hmm. Like, entertaining but you know it's all about getting wrapped and getting yeah. get eyes on you yeah, yeah i would think that i would think that um a better thing instead of the music industry would be to say like podcasts or even you know but the, yeah it would the be podcast, podcast market is 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 growing definitely um you know there's a lot of there there's a lot of people out there doing it and stuff but you know like once again, it's um, if if you have an innovative and you have an interesting idea, people people will find you. You know, I mean, people will find you, and um, and it is all you know, uh, marketing yourself. One of the biggest ways to marketing yourself in a podcast is you just, you know, is is really who you bring on. You know, it's like um, the type of people you 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 talk to, the environment that you create with your podcast. You know, if um. Like this podcast wouldn't be nearly as entertaining if you guys weren't on it. <laughs> if it would just be talking about myself into the mic. A really terrible decision with this. Like it's like, well, you've done fucked up with us. So sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> three hours back, I suppose. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, it wouldn't be nearly as interesting. 
But um, but hey, um, I don't want to take up too much of you guys' time. It's already seven seventeen p.m. and you've already gave me like three hours, and I really appreciate it. So, um, we could talk for a second, but after I wrap this up, but I'm gonna stop recording. So, uh, thank you, Samantha, Ryan, Ben, Benjamin. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Say bye. I'll see you guys later. All right. Booyah. And that is it, folks. Man, (laughs) this has to be probably one of my favorite conversations. I know way too much about pup play now, and um, a pupper by the name of Tugger, and I don't think I will ever forget that conversation in my life. I probably will be telling other people about pup play from now on. But um, <laughs> I really enjoyed sitting down with Ryan, Sam, and Ben, and uh, going through that assortment of topics. It really was an awesome exploration, and I can't wait to do it again with you guys. So, once again, please go ahead and like and subscribe to our internet platforms. You can find us on YouTube, Google Play, Apple, iTunes, and you can, of course, Google search The Exchanges Podcasts, and you will find our website and our material. Oh, and also, you can go ahead and find the Current Issues Discussion Group on Meetup, based out of Atlanta, Georgia and um, find links to our conversations there. Or if you are in the Atlanta area, you can RSVP and show up to actually one of our conversations. That will be awesome too. So, I will see you guys next time. Bye-bye.